Hello and Merry Christmas, uh, and or hello if you religiously don't celebrate Christmas. This is Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. This is our last episode before Christmas, if you, you're listening to this in a time-sensitive way. My name's Stephen Hill. His name's Renfrey Deadman. Hello. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Christmas. 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 Ah. Well, mate, double shout out. I'm going to get the... I forgot at the start last week. Musicism.net. They're our bloody mates. They're the guys who make this podcast run. And um, go to musicism.net and you will get 25% off all courses that teach you how to be a better singer, guitarist, producer in the world of music, which only costs $9.99 normally. I'm doing it all over. I'm, I'm, well, I'm sort of doing it like Memento, the, the Musicism. Mm, <laughs> by I doing like it. it. Yeah, I know. I'm sort of just trying to mix up a bit. But yeah, musicism.net. They're our pals and our buddies and our compadres. And I didn't mention them at the start of the podcast last week. So here's is me slapping myself on the wrist. Oh. Oh, quite hard, wasn't it? Um, but, Renfrey, a couple of weeks ago, we said, oh, imagine being sponsored by tea, yes. didn't we? And it was it was a stupid thing. It was me being a fucking idiot. Yes, like being, absolutely. Which I am partial to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And kind of well known for. Yeah. Never before did I think just a ludicrous flight of fancy on a, about a cup of tea would turn into what has happened, what we're about to do right now, which is sip... This, I'm going to have a sip of this, right? It, I know you don't like us eating on the podcast, but this is relevant. It truly is Christmas. Mm. Um, we have been sent a massive, it was huge, wasn't it? A really it was massive, huge a huge box, box of tea by the T2. Good, the good people at T2 who have sent us not just not just the um, the Melbourne breakfast tea, which you've just had a sip of. How was mm. that? Yeah, very good. Very I've good. got an Irish breakfast tea, oh, which is bloody lovely. I've so had a bit of Is there alcohol on that? Because there's usually uh, alcohol and Irish drinks that I have. Let's not fucking resort to lazy stereotypes is about it, different people. If you say <laughs> the drink is an Irish something, it often <laughs> yeah, has alcohol in it. I, right, I don't yeah. think that's a I'm racist just, just stitching you up. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> yeah. I like the Irish. Hello, Irish people. Um, but anyway, I've got an Irish breakfast tea. I'm going to give my mum the uh, the French uh, Earl Grey, Earl Grey. Um, and we've got as well these these glasses that you special tea glasses that are made of plastic for you to drink them in, which we're drinking from now. They're really nice. We've not even been asked to say anything about it. We're just so chuffed that we're yeah, I know, I know, no. So we're not actually sponsored by tea, um, but we've got some tea. So I feel like we should be really bloody nice to the people at tea too and yeah. give them a massive shout out. Do, so do thanks. Know, do you know what I'd really like? I'd really like a Ferrari. <laughs> Can you imagine having a Ferrari? Oh, just yeah. sitting in a Ferrari. Imagine if we were sponsored by a Ferrari. God, God, imagine. That would be amazing. I hope this guy, we get sponsored by Who Are We Now? And <laughs> loads of, well, I'd like that as well. Loads of laptops sent. So that'd be good. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, cheers to T2. Uh, yeah. What a lovely little... It's, do you know what, Renfrey? It's a Christmas miracle. It is. <laughs> I feel like Tiny Tim uh, with my T2. T2 Tiny Tim. Oh, there's something I can do that. I don't know. I've anyway, not thought about it, unfortunately. God bless us. God bless everyone. us. <laughs> this week on the show, um, last week we counted down our top 20, 20 to 11 of our best albums of 2018. This week we're doing the biggins. We're doing, uh, we're doing 10 down to one. It's which ridiculous, is, isn't it? pretty exciting and actually i think i said it last year uh, last year i said it last week it's made me realize how good this year had been because i wasn't quite sure even looking at the albums and looking at the list i was like has this this year been that good i've listened to a bunch of these for the first time in a little while in some cases Mm. uh this week and they're they're fucking great it's been been a pretty good year i kept looking over my list and crying over how good music is yeah yeah, it's bloody good, isn't End it? End of. Um, seen, <laughs> it, seen anything good gigs-wise since we last chatted, Renfrey? Yes, with you. 
Palm Reader. Palm Reader. Mm -hmm. um, should have a quick shout out to Loathe first. Loathe, yep. I've been wanting to see for ages. They're great, aren't they? Oof. Oof. They're fucking great. <laughs> really impressed with Loathe. Um, yeah, I think I think live they on record that so that debut album we discussed this a little bit i can't remember if we've discussed it on the podcast or not but mm. the debut album is good but you kind of you kind of get a sense of there being something there but it's not quite the finished article yeah they are working on a second album now and i imagine that would be great because the split they did with uh holding absence those two songs are fucking outrageous yeah they're great um but yeah live they're just just the energy and like they're like cartoon characters yeah if you put them in silhouette you could probably recognize them you know but mm. in the best possible way their energy was amazing they sounded great they've got like they had these tv screens with some cool images which i think when you're in a tiny band like that just showing that kind of yeah uh you know showing that desire to do something like that is fucking cool yeah they were so great. Loathe, i, was I really didn't actually see loathe because i had to i was i was watching um uh, August Burns Red at that point. Do you I want imagine. to talk about that? I don't. Okay. <laughs> um, but Palm Reader. Yeah. Um, holy hell. Mm. Where she, I mean, well, this well, is I, both in our albums of the year last week. Yeah, so we don't need to go too much into what it is sonically, but I will say, like, they obviously spent a little bit of money, um, not loads, but a little bit of money on the, the production um, of the gig, which I've never seen them do before. It was the first time I've seen Palm Reader where I go, you now look like, not to say they didn't look like a, they weren't a great live band before. I thought they've always been great live, but they did that kind of shining lights out into the audience, Cult of Luna yeah. style silhouette in them. And they've got, I think they've got, a, they've sorted out their own kind of sound person as well. Like I think the Boston Music Room where they play does have traditionally a very good sound. I think it really does. Yeah, for a very Don't, small I venue. just love that venue. And yeah. um, it was amazing. It might be the best Palm Reader show I've ever seen. It was just wonderful, wasn't it? Um, yes. Possibly. I did think they were incredible at the garage earlier this year, mm. um, upstairs at the garage. And then there was always that like Black Cart show as well, where they were just off the that scale. Was great. But uh, yeah. I, I think I, it was the best. I, I it, They were off the scale, brilliant. Like you said last week, that is their best. It is their best album. It's a phenomenal record. Um, Getting to hear songs like Clockwork and stuff Clockwork like that. Is like, brilliant. You don't always hear them doing in a sort of support set, like I saw them with Will Haven. And yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was a, it was a, ta we talked about it being a tantalizing glimpse into the future, Braille, and it really, like, on the basis of that show, I mean, yeah, it feels like this is the beginning of something now for Palm Reader. I really, really hope it is. So, I really yeah. hope so as well. Yeah, I was really super proud of them. Um, we should also probably mention um, that there were a lot of people there who uh, know us, and, and there was lots of very friendly faces coming up to us and uh, saying, oh, you know. So it's very kind of you. Yeah, um, thanks, Rice. Your whole thing of uh, uh, having drinks taken away from me has sort of backfired somewhat. I know, people keep buying you drinks. I had three people buy me drinks mm. in the space of 10 minutes. Mm. So I had three pints lined up. And as a result, Friday was a total write-off for me. Mm. So thanks for that, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, Ren <laughs> Renfrey's not going to make 40 at this rate. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but genuinely, thank you to everyone who came up and said hello to us. Yeah, it was, really it was very sweet. nice. It was, uh, yeah, it was cool. I actually went to go and see Stick to Your Guns on Friday Ooh. as well. Stick to Your Guns, Counterparts, and uh, Employed to Serve. Employed oh, to Serve yeah. opening, fucking amazing. Like, they were amazing. So aggro. And they, if only they had some new material. I know, they played two new songs. Ooh! And they sounded fucking outrageously oh, brilliant. Yeah. So I'm going to hold back a little bit on Employed to Serve because everyone knows how much I love that band. And I reckon the new album's going to be 
something pretty yeah pretty wicked melodic not melodic what about i don't it? think it's going to be very melodic oh, cool. no. <laughs> um i've never been much of a fan of counterparts i have to say they supported uh architects at ali pali and then and i know a lot of people went crazy for their last album last year but on friday they were they were absolutely brilliant oh cool absolutely brilliant counterparts really really good and ditto stick to your guns like i have the sort of person I dip in and out of Stick to Your Guns like there's some of their records that I really really love and then there's some that I've just never listened to before I wouldn't say I'm a huge huge fan of the band but I think live they are brilliant and they played the Dome so they played upstairs from where Palm Reader played Fantastic. Um, and it was absolutely rampacked and it was sort of chaos for all three bands Great, um, good. and it was just it's just a really really good hardcore show and they you know, it's like a really good punk show and everyone's going mad and all the bands are just really, really up for it. And well, not it was only, just that. But not only was it the Dome, it was, didn't they do two nights? They did, yeah. They did two nights, That's yeah. That's great. Yeah, really, and really good. Were they both sold out? They, they, certainly. One, I'm sure one of them was sold out yeah. at least. Mm. Uh, which is fantastic. That's yeah. a thousand tickets, I think. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, for so, a yeah, band who great. are, you know, very, very heartfelt, politically minded, um quite unique within that within that scene as well i think you know something that doesn't get said about stick to your guns that much is that actually for a hardcore band they're very very melodic at points jesse's a brilliant front man and um yeah and it's made me want to go and check out that counterparts record again and also you know like disobedience sort of the main stick to your guns album that I, I i go for which i know a lot of people might think that that's not necessarily the big one the main one that people go for is, is it diamond ah, i've forgotten the name of it now i was going you to say know, i didn't want to interrupt you but i was going to say i uh, confession i don't think i've listened to stick to your guns okay well, which you, is embarrassing you should do that yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll trade do off that. trade off soon yeah but they were great so that's what i've been up to um and that's what you've been up to as well and having a hangout nursing a hangover and a nursing hangover yeah. yeah fair enough all right well like last week what we did is we did um a few shout outs for the albums didn't quite make it in and we also did our favorite eps this week we're going to do our favorite live shows and we're going to talk about the worst releases of 2018 as well i think we'll do the best live shows first so um in terms of live gigs i think i mentioned that i'm not sure that uh, 2018 was quite as good album wise as 2016 or 17 but in terms of live shows i think this is the best year for live music for me that i can literally that I, i'm not going to say since the 90s or since 15 years or whatever since i can remember this has been the best year for live music that i can remember full stop it was pretty fucking exciting yeah. by the end of this year i would have been to 90 gigs exactly really which is quite a lot mm um and uh yeah i'm amazed that i haven't gone deaf uh apparently my ears are in perfect condition can are you they? believe that yeah. unbelievable um but yeah it's no it's been a phenomenal week i mean i just feel like i feel like we're ridiculously spoiled being in london like we uh, really are yeah i i feel like with album with albums you know albums go up and down i mean we seem to be going in, the, in we seem to be in a really good period for for albums generally i think actually in the last few years but but you know the, the, you do have good years and bad years generally overall mm. i think with live music especially in this city you know not to make it too london centric but we are just incredibly fucking lucky it's ridiculous. but even even saying all of that mm. i still think this year has been the best year i don't disagree with you it's i think it's been brilliant fucking outrageous I like, when i came brilliant. to put there, there are there are there are shout outs that I'd make from this year outside of the kind of top three. Yeah, that would be easily the best gig I've been to 
over the entire year and other years. Oh, lovely. So, you know, um, so what, what would you say, Renfrey? You got any kind of ones that really stand out for you? I'm doing a sh- sh- you do want to do shout outs? Yeah, first. do a couple of shout outs of, of good gigs. Uh, let me see. Code Orange and Employed to Serve, you just mentioned them. Uh, at uh, I went up to Nottingham to see right, them. Okay. That Amazing. was just mind blowing. Um, I do want to give a perfect circle on Chelsea Wolf a shout out at Wembley Arena. I think Wembley or Brixton Academy. Just I, was, so I would have shouted out Brixton. I mean, I didn't go to Wembley, but yeah. I would have shouted out Brixton. Yeah, it was just so thing. brilliant to see them again. It looks like we're not going to see them again for a long time. Uh, Rolo Tomasi at the Scala. I have to give a massive shout out to. Rolo Tomasi and Palm Reed at the Garage. Even at the, right, yeah. yeah, the Garage show was amazing. I, I would take the Scala show slightly over it, mm-hmm. but they were both amazing. Um, I adore them, so I need to give a shout out to Arcane Roots uh, when they played Heaven earlier this year. I think the sad thing with it is I genuinely think I've seen Arcane Roots 20 something times and I genuinely think they were getting better mm. and then they split up. Yeah. Slightly annoying. Um, Black Futures at Hangar. Uh, I just think as a live band, there's some really exciting stuff with Black Futures. We've discussed that in the past, yeah, the way yeah, that yeah, they yeah. like involve you in their shows and stuff like that. Conjure at the Black Heart, yeah, such a good show mine, that it yeah. literally made me puke. <laughs> uh, Bronx at the Black Heart. That was another one of mine as well, yeah. Just, you know, playing five in full, which isn't even one of my favourite Bronx albums, but live, you just, it just doesn't fucking matter, you know. Mm. It's so fucking good. Um, and I also want to say Sleep Token at the Old Pancras uh, Church. Whilst um, my initial concerns with them live, just having too much tracks and stuff, I'm still a tiny bit concerned about that, but... The atmosphere in that room was just so amazing. It just totally made up for it. It was brilliant. Yeah, I would um, also add Alison Chains at Shepherd's Bush Empire, which I thought That's was a good one of the fucking most brilliant hit-filled sets I saw of the year. You too at the O2. Yeah, fair play. Was fucking outrageously brilliant. Probably one of the most spectacular actual sets I've ever seen. Um, but come on, we always go on about you. Yeah, uh, we do, don't we? Yeah. This would, in most years, have been my best gig of the year. Trivium. Uh, Code Orange, Power Trip, and Venom Prison. All four bands were ten out of ten for Great me. Great bill, absolutely yeah. phenomenal bill. The, the the best Trivium show I've ever seen. Um, off an album which is a massive, huge, brilliant comeback album for them. Code Orange being the best band in the world. Mm. Full stop for mm-hmm. me. I'm sorry, they just are. Power Trip turning up and wrecking the fucking place, mm. which was just amazing. And a a, a part Russian, part Welsh hardcore influenced death metal band going on at 6.30 at Brixton Academy and tearing everyone's faces off. Like, just that as a moment. Like, I, I have to... That's why I, I'm in Venom Prison. There's so many reasons to love Venom Prison. That's a pretty big one. So, yeah, really that would be my kind of main shout-outs. But uh, my kind of... I think my third-place gig would be the two nights of Pearl Jam at the O2. Mm-hmm. Um, which was just having never seen Pearl Jam before and having sort of thought I was... You know, a Pearl Jam fan, but not a huge, huge Pearl Jam fan like yourself. Hello. Um, I, yeah, I, I I was stunned at just how fucking brilliant a live band they are and how intimate they made the biggest sort of indoor venue in the country. It was fucking unbelievable. So that would be number three. I'm nodding. Of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> I expect to hear some more stuff about that in a second. Um my second pick would be Architects at Alexandra Palace. Architects mm-hmm. and, and While She Sleeps. I just mentioned counterparts who, who, you know, struggled like that early on, being a band like they were, sort of playing that early in front of so few people. The notoriously dodgy sound of Alexandra Palace, the notoriously dodgy venue that is Everything Alexandra Palace. It's dodgy yeah. about that place, yeah. But 
while as, she's, as a venue, I should say. Yeah, of course. It's while a she's building. while she sleeps as a support band were fucking brilliant. And architects I mean, I think if I was to compile my list of ten best gigs I've ever been to in my entire life, architects at Brixton Academy would be in around the middle of that, which was was an unbelievably momentous and emotional evening. And ditto for for Alexandra Palace. You know, I was I stood next to Luke Morton at the end, and Luke from Metal Hammer, who's actually moved on to Kerrang now. Congratulations, congratulations, Luke! Congratulations, Luke! Um, so me and Luke stood next to each other and I kind of have, me and Luke have a kind of, uh, one of those relationships where you just take the piss out of each other all the time, I've constantly. Noticed, yeah. I never say anything nice about Luke ever no. because he's a shit house. Um, <laughs> actually a lovely man, but yeah, fine. <laughs> nah, he's all right. And, um, <laughs> uh, but I was stood next to Luke and at the end of the Architects gig, um, we basically, we looked at each other and we were both crying and we both just oh. hugged each other for about three minutes. Oh. And it was so brilliant. And what was, it was so brilliant that I went downstairs afterwards because I'm a media scum. I was allowed to go to a little sort of after party bar. Oh, that, I will say that bar is lovely. Yeah, it's nice down there, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's very nice. And I, and it was, I felt so kind of fragile about how brilliant it was that I saw Sam, who mm-hmm. I, I know a bit, and I, I, I couldn't speak to him that night because I was like, I just thought i can't speak to you at the moment because it was so fucking brilliant and i feel bad because i sort of since sort of spoken to him and gone yeah it was great and i've sort of just been like hey sam that was good but i just was like overawed by how brilliant it was and it was such an amazing celebration whereas brixton felt emotionally raw and felt like mourning um tom's passing ali pally felt like a celebration of tom's life and a celebration of their hard work and of and what they and, and what they are as a band and it felt like I, I think I've said it a bunch of times before. It felt like going, this is what we can all do. Like if we, as heavy as as a heavy band, we can achieve something genuinely momentous and genuinely important. And that's what um, the Architects Ali Pally show felt like to me. Your gut feeling, do you think they'll live up to it at Wembley? Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll talk about Architects in a little bit anyway. Um, so my number one was... I've put all of all of meltdown. I've put, oh, which is a bit, you, which is a bit cheeky because I saw I saw three shows at, at the meltdown festival. I saw Deftones and I was in the front row. Um, thanks to M uh, for the sorting that out. Yeah, yeah, for sorting it out. Um, and it was incredible. Deftones always are. I saw Manic Street Preachers, who mm-hmm. I've re-fallen in love with this year, mm-hmm. uh, who were one of, probably my favourite band when I was about sort of 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And they played an incredible career-spanning greatest hit set. And then, like I mentioned last week, the new material is really good. Uh, the new album's really good. Uh, and that was amazing. But I think the best, singularly the best gig I have ever been to in my entire life, ever, is Nine Inch Nails at Royal Festival Hall. It was just so amazing. One of the great bands of all time, not leaning on their greatest hits at all. Like I think we said at the time, you know, like we, we you could make a list of all of their greatest hits and they didn't really play hardly any of them. They didn't play Closer. Really. They didn't play Sin. They didn't play um, uh, Hand That Feeds. They didn't play Survivalism. They didn't play... I don't think they played Head Like a Hole. Uh, no, I don't I think, think they so. played it at 
Royal Albert Hall a few days later. But, yeah. didn't play, but it was all music from the Fragile. It was most of it was taken from the Fragile. Well, they began with the first four songs. Yeah, and you thought for a minute, like fuck me, they're going to play mm, the Fragile in mm, full, mm. and they played a bunch of stuff off that Bad Witch EP stroke album, um, which is amazing. Mm, yeah. And I was so close to it. Like I was sort of 15 rows from the front, which I know doesn't sound much, but when you're talking about a band like Nine Inch Nails, who are huge, in a historic venue, like Royal Festival Hall is yeah. an incredible place it's to great. watch music. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And it just it just felt like they were doing that show for me. I think, you know, it's between that and Refuse that coming back at the Forum, which I always think are like the two best gigs I've ever been to. And I kind of, in the last few months, I have flip-flopped between the two of them. And I can't really pick an outright winner. But I have to say, I didn't think anything would ever come close to the emotion I felt of watching Refused um, after so many years. But Jesus Christ, that Nine Inch Nails show was... Uh, I was on cloud nine for like a month after that. Mm. It was mm. unbelievable. And it even made... like People who didn't go went to the Royal Albert Hall show and were like, oh my God, it was so amazing. It was the best... And I actually... I wouldn't say I was disappointed by the Royal Albert Hall show, no. but because it was incredible. But it was, I think it was markedly not as good as the Royal agree. Festival. Yeah. yeah. No. So there you go. That'd be my best live gigs. Okay. Um, my number three, I think, has to be Fever 333 at Islington Academy. Just the way that they, I mean, obviously, I came straight, <laughs> straight yeah. to your place. Drenched in sweat. Drenched in sweat and like basically. Uh, embarrass myself royally by just being full of adrenaline and starting to record the podcast. Um, I just think the way that that band can uh, move people and inspire people at the moment is vitally, vitally important. People were talking about, a lot of people said that uh, they were the highlight of download. Yeah, they um, were. They were. I didn't go to download, but the people who uh, did go to both said that it was even better. So if you're talking about, you know, the highlight download all oh, but it was even better i mean and islington academy is usually a venue that i, I mean i hate that venue yeah, i really don't, don't like it at all but um i could have been anywhere in the world it didn't kind of matter you mm. know um and i just find jason butler hugely inspiring but the band behind him as well i mean uh, ex-member of the chariot and and uh eric from night, night versus, versus you yeah. can't fuck with that like i think they're something very special indeed uh, especially live, mm. especially live. Um, my second is Nine Inch Nails, the Royal Festival Hall. Mm. Um, possible, uh, bar the first time I saw Nine Inch Nails, which was just which was Brixton Academy around with teeth, I think. Um, yeah. Which was just uh, you know because it was my first time, kind of thing. Yeah. It, probably my favourite Nine Inch Nails so, um, show. Just the fact that they did loads from the fragile which is my favorite nine Inch nails record it felt really special and intimate and yeah. there was this kind of like i remember trent actually talking to the crowd a bit which doesn't mm. really happen all that much and it felt really genuinely quite special from that perspective doing like the, the sort of the bowie cover i know they covered something from blackstar but doing i'm afraid of americans yeah and they did like a gary newman cover and he talked about robert smith because obviously robert smith yeah um put the whole lineup together i mean that meltdown festival lineup was just I thought Meltdown, I, I, you know, I, whilst you've been cheeky with cheating slightly, I do, I do think the Meltdown Festival was was absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Um, but what I would say, the reason why I specifically point out Nine Inch Nails is with the shows that I saw, um, it felt like Nine Inch Nails actually treated it like the special event that it was. Yeah. Whereas you know, I adore them and I'll rarely say a bad word against them, but 
Deftones, for example, as brilliant as they were and as awesome as it was to see them in what is a relatively intimate venue for mm-hmm. them, it did just feel like another Deftones show. Um, Manics did a Cure cover. Yeah, well, Deftones did as well. Oh, yeah, they did, um, they? But doing a cover, it, it, the entire show felt special. Yeah, And did. geared towards that room and that venue and, you know... Um, just doing a cure cover, fine. It's a little nod, but it's not making the entire show special. Do you know mm. what I mean? But that wasn't the case with Nine Inch Nails. It just no, felt amazing. Um, yeah, predictably, number one is Pearl Jam. Um, although I say predictably, it's, you know, the previous tour that I saw Pearl Jam, if anything, I was a little bit disappointed. So mm. it might not be as predictable as it sounds. That previous tour, they began doing three-hour sets and I think that they kind of struggled at first to maintain that momentum over three hours for, you know, that period of time. Yeah. Especially considering they change their set every single night, which is, you know, something that I would like most bands to do, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Because I think it really does, partly what you're saying about, like, the intimate vibe of it and, then, like, how it feels really special. Every single Pearl Jam show feels special because you know you aren't getting what, previous night got and you're mm. not going to get what the next night got um and they're one of the few bands who i will follow around like a puppy dog. so you saw them both nights at the o2 you also saw them in barcelona is i right? saw them in barcelona as well yeah. i actually now if i had known they were going to be as good as they were i would have gone to a couple of others around right. europe as well yeah um but mm. i kind of only went for three because I mean, Barcelona just happened to to uh, coincide with a with a stag do I was on, so I was like, "Oh, brilliant! I'll go to that." Yeah. But because they d- disappointed me ever so slightly before, um, only in ter- only in terms of momentum, only in terms of oh, I'm actually a little bit bored at the moment, and considering I'm a massive Pearl Jam fan, that's quite rare. I don't think they did that this time. Um, I didn't think there was a boring moment. There were certainly moments where you know that second um, O2 Arena show, you know where Stone played Mankind and stuff like that and all fell apart a little bit. But mm. I actually think there's something special about seeing something like that when an arena band do it on that scale. And it feels like you're just hanging out with a band. And yeah, in I terms... Think, hmm? Go on. And I was going to say, I think like Eddie Vedder was perfectly that because he was sort of was shining his guitar to the very... Like a light would come down his guitar and it would shine out and he would literally like pinpoint someone on the very, very back wall of the O2 and point at them until they sort of waved at him. Mm. And I was like, fuck me. Like, that's really simple. But to be able to kind of reach people in that way is amazing. And then, you know, Tom Petty covers and... Mm-hmm. Who covers? Obviously, they've done you know Barbara O'Reilly and they've done um, Rocking the Free World before. But mm. you know, like for me, having never seen them before, it was like, oh great! Like I feel like I'm. I think part of um, that the, the you know the final the final uh, O2 show they sort of went off after their third encore, mm. and you know I think it was because the last night of the tour that the house lights so house lights have been up for fucking 10, 15 minutes. They just come back and go fuck it, we'll do another cover. And they just do all along the Watchtower, you know, and and. A third of the crowd had left. Including you myself. Didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they do it all along the Watchtower. And, like, you know, the the amount of times that I've seen Pearl Jam go over curfew, um, I mean, I've seen them 16 times, and I wouldn't be surprised if I've seen them do it, like, a quarter of the times I've seen them. It costs a lot of money to go over curfew, believe me. <laughs> like, yeah. we're talking tens of thousands of pounds per, se- uh, per second, per minute mm. kind of thing um in in a lot of places you know i'm not going to pretend i know what it is for the o2 arena but you know 
the fact that they're just willing to do that because it's like fuck it we're having fun like yeah. that's fucking cool i just think it's brilliant they, so. were, they were bloody good yeah so let's move on not quite as good the worst albums of the year renfrey now you wanted to call this most disappointing but i've got to be honest none of the bands that i really like have really disappointed me this year there have been a few where i've been like yeah you know like i like reverence by partway drive mm. you know i love um Aya. i think reverence is probably a more consistent record throughout but the high mm. points on Aya are higher so mm-hmm. i didn't really so i wouldn't put that and well you know I wouldn't put that because I don't look at it as a disappointment at all. It's just different. Mm. Um, so that's why I didn't want to use disappointment. And the albums I've got listed are, they're not really disappointing. They're just out and out rubbish, <laughs> to be honest. Okay. So I've gone, I mean, you can call it disappointing if you want. I'm fully to go. I'm, I'm happy to go in as worst. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. whatever you want. Whatever you want um, I mean, the obvious one's Muse, isn't it? Yeah, ish. Muse isn't on my list. Is it not? No. I just think it's such a terrible like that's it. You know, in terms of big bands, that is a terrible, hilarious misstep. It's a terrible and hilarious misstep from a band that I don't really like in the first place. Mm. And I think, like I said it during the during the review, they've somehow managed to make an album that is both ludicrously pompous and over the top and stupid and ri- completely ridiculous, and yet at the same time utterly unmemorable. That that is an amazing feat. It is, isn't it? it. Like, yeah, I can't remember yeah, a thing yeah, from yeah. it other than it was yeah. just a load of bells and whistles and crap <laughs> and bad ideas. The reason, uh, just briefly, the reason it's not in my top three is because um, I always want to encourage and admire bands when they do something different. And Muse had never, they va- uh, had never tried that before. That mm. I I don't think it worked, but at least. They were doing something which they'd never done before. And also, in my opinion, it's not even their worst album. It's yeah, probably their second okay. worst album. So, but but yes, I don't disagree with you. In terms of disappointment, I, I would say Catharsis by Machine Head. I, I, now I find quite disappointing, actually. That would in be your the top one. three, though? Top three no, 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 no. Just as okay. a kind of shout out to it. Um, uh, my uh, Also, I'm, I listened to the Avatar album and I thought it was dreadful. I cannot understand the fucking hype behind Avatar. I think in a lot of ways, actually, we're quite... We're in a position where, like, I haven't listened to the Bullet for My Valentine album. I haven't listened to the Five Finger Death Punch album. The sort of bands who I would usually before have completely slagged off. I've not listened to their records. So it's quite interesting. Um, I've not seen the Five Finger Death Punch album on any of the um, album of the year list that I would have expected to see it on. Really? Okay. Well, you know, there you go. Um, For me. The Fallout Boy album, like I'm not a fan of Fallout Boy, but that I think that album is again like it's this mania. Yeah, yeah it's such a this. disgraceful thing to do to make. Like I, I just feel like when those bands who are caught in the mainstream, somewhere, like Linkin Park did it on their last album, Fallout Boy have done it on this record. Where you go, there's no guitars on this. You're not really a rock band anymore, which is fine, but it just sounds so desperate to me. And I just mm. remember listening to it and being like, this is so desperate it's pathetic begging like desperate it reminds me of like what what they these albums have got to the point now where they're doing you're using modern pop production modern pop techniques modern pop singing songwriting um and it just feels like someone who's 45 turning up to a college frat party and 
you know, doing buying everyone a Jaeger bomb just to feel like they're not an old, sad. That guy sounds pathetic. like a legend. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, and I have a Jaeger bomb on me. I've got a job. I work in finance. I mean, like, that is likely to be. If I'm not dead, that is likely to be me in twelve years' time. Yeah, but it, it just like those albums feel like a really desperate, pathetic attempt to uh, to appear sort of credible, and yeah. I just think and they so Fallout Boy. I thought that album was an absolute pile of turd. Second would be this is a disappointment actually because they're not a band that I love, but the Shining album, the the poor, former black jazz pioneers making a terrible hard rock record. Mm. Like why? Why would you do that? It's mm. so bad. It's so, so, so bad. And I mean, we spoke about it at the time and I was like, this is terrible. And I think what's awful is it about it is that, you know, it's the Red Hot Chili Peppers thing of, you know, you used to be good and now yeah. you're you're really, really bad, which I think makes it worse. But the worst album of the year for me, and I've made a point of listening to this again, because when I first heard it, I thought, and it doesn't really necessarily fit within the walls of what we normally do, but we did talk about Ocean Wisdom last week. Really interesting. It's Post Malone. Oh, right, right. Post right, Malone okay. is fucking Travis, right? <laughs> He's Dido. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is he, like... Fucking Travis, or, well, he, or is is he? He's, he's like Travis. He he's is like Travis. He's the okay. hip hop equivalent. Just to be clear, he's the hip hop equivalent of David Gray, of James Blunt, of Travis, of Razorlight, of any. If Public Enemy, you're naming all of my mum's favourite bands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's Michael Bublé with a face tattoo, right? <laughs> Post Malone is supposedly this new breed of dangerous, exciting, credible like amazing hip hop and I'm sorry I just don't hear it and if you're going to go well you're old you're 38 it's not for you blah 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 yeah fine okay if the youth of if youthful exuberance now actually means boring and safe and fucking totally disinterested in the world then yeah you you go ahead i'll i'm happily will be old i, I think that is what it means nowadays <laughs> possibly it is i i mean <laughs> i listen to two old cunts talk about music well i yeah. i listened to to that record when it came out and i just thought like like i say i've said it a bunch of times if public enemy a joy division post malone a, a travis this is this <laughs> yeah. is this is a genre jumping the shark oh wow this is the death no. of hip-hop Oh wow! Right. And and I don't and I know people will, will sneer at that and go, well, it's just because they don't sound like fucking Wu Tang Clan or whatever. I understand, right? And I'm I'm not saying it's the death of hip hop, but in terms of like, I mean, you did just say it. I mean, I did just say I did actually <laughs> literally just say that. But um, and I thought that was a bit over the top. Yeah, it was a little bit. But in terms of sort of what where we are with rock music, with you know the least creative stuff getting big, if this is a a glimpse into if if rock music is like that's that's happening to you now hip hop i was at the brits mm. at the start of the year where stormzy won the you know the best uh, male artist and album of the year and rather than it being this fucking like what i should be this kind of huge explosion of the i mean he said fuck theresa may and well, that's good but it's like mate you got a gospel choir and stuff grime's not dangerous anymore like i was with a 50 i was stood next to a 52 year old woman who was singing along to oh great by the grace of god and all that it's like i don't really think that's that exciting sorry mm. like i just don't and post malone to me is the absolute fucking the the poster boy and the 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 the, the guy to me like he's headlining ready next year 
it is so boring. And if you're going to chuck your old at me, like, that's a pretty fucking lame comeback. If someone can explain to me exactly what it is that is so groundbreaking and so exciting and so vibrant about Post Malone, I'm willing to kind of go back and listen to it again and again and try and learn. But as far as I can tell, it's just fucking, it's just fucking You're Beautiful by James Blunt played on a fucking (laughs) Casio keyboard. Well, if anyone can, that's uh, at Riot Act underscore podcast or at Stephen Hill Boy yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, go go for me <laughs> rather than the podcast, please. Um, okay. Um, yeah, hate uh, it. Absolutely uh, hate it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start with one you've already said, uh, just The Shining, just in terms of how massively... I just think misguided it is. Like, mm. it's so misguided and it's yeah. just... I think bands are entitled to do whatever the hell they want but when a band who was as experimental and let's face it kind of is I don't know is groundbreaking too strong a word for shining uh I I think kind of I think groundbreaking might be but I think kind of unique yeah fairly unique yeah I mean I mean mixing black metal and jazz has not been done all that much before I mean there's bands like you know Apple Dueth um, yeah, there's bits and similar, pieces, but that's more towards yeah, sort of hardcore. Yeah, whatever, unique's but, yeah, yeah, unique's better than than groundbreaking. But like, yeah, when a band go from doing something unique to something zeitgeisty and just a bit dull and not particularly well, I mean, there's a few bouquet-ish choruses on it. That's being quite. <laughs> Stephen just raised his eyebrows. I mean, it, I'm being quite kind to it there. Like, mm. I don't know. It's just, it's just sad when you see a band who were genuinely interesting and unique go down that route. Um, my number two is uh, Stone Temple Pilots. Oh my god, I forgot this even came out. Mm. Yeah. Um. I mean, ugh. I love Stone Temple Pilots. There are an awful, you know, there was a generation of people who were like, oh, Stone Temple Pilots, they're just second generation grunge, they're just ripping it off, blah, blah, blah. To those people, have you fucking listened to Purple? Have you listened to Tiny Music from the Vatican gift shop? Tiny Music's the one. You know? Yeah. I think Purple's the the big hitter. Yeah, and I I think think Tiny Music's the one where you can go, well, you can shove that grunge copyist in terms of Absolutely. In terms of the experimentation and what they're doing, Tiny Music... I don't can't think of another band that Tiny Music sounds like, you know, really. The Beatles? Maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> like, even obvious, but... then, but like, you know. So they were so experimental and so interesting and, and all this nonsense about, you know, I understand it on Core maybe. You know, Core, mm. they were just doing fucking great versions of what had kind of gone before. But beyond that, no. And just to see them come back, um, you know, after Scott Weiland's death... Uh, with this really turgid, limp impression of themselves, um, it's just and it, and it's not it's not even got anything to do with the fact that you know the guy they've got on it wasn't he on X Factor or American Idol or something yeah. like that. It's nothing to do with that because you know to be honest, he's not the worst problem in it. In, in fact, he sounds fine. He does a p- pretty good Scott Weiland impression, and it's mm. all right. It's just boring and insipid and dull and not very interesting. And that is a shame. Mm. Um, not the first Stone Temple Pilots to be boring, <laughs> album to be boring and no, dull and insipid. They've got a few bad ones, haven't they? <clears throat> but I just, I don't, I don't think anyone wants it anymore, to be honest. No. You know. 
Um, my <laughs> worst album of the year. We have not discussed this at all, and I'm really, I'm really keen to even know if you're aware of this album. Uh, collaborations in music are interesting, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Are you aware that Sting and Shaggy did an album together this year? I'm aware of it, but I haven't heard it. Oh, mate. <laughs> that, that sounds great to me. Shaggy. <laughs> the worst thing about it. Yeah, because Shaggy's the one to be like, oh, no, I quite like Shaggy. Not Sting. No, no, no. The worst thing From about it. Because you, li- yeah. you go, Sting and Shaggy. Huh. That should at least be vaguely interesting, but it's really dull. It's is just it? really boring. Yeah. Because you can, like, at first it's like, that's crazy. Then you think about it, it's like, well, wait a minute, the police were a reggae band and, you know, Shaggy's doing reggae stuff. It's like, okay, maybe that could be interesting. And then you hear it, it's just boring and dull. And, like, there's a song about ringtones or something. It's fucking awful. It's really, it's just dull. It's just really, really boring. I'd quite like you to listen to it. I, I might want give it. it to I, you I, didn't, I thought it was a single because I heard a bit of one of oh, the singles. It's, it's a full album of it's Sting full and album Shaggy. Of Sting and Shaggy. What's Sting playing at? What is Sting playing at? I mean, what's he been playing at for <laughs> a long, <laughs> long, long time? Yeah. And I, I tell you what, mate. The, I, I love the like. The Police are incredible. Okay. Like okay, fucking incredible band. What yeah. an amazing band the Police are. Mm-hmm. And then Sting solo material is dreadful. And it, you, there are interviews with Sting where he goes, well, I basically, the police was me, really, and I just wrote all the songs. It's like, well, how come the police are so great and your <laughs> solo material is so terrible? Rubbish, yeah. like, you go, like, I'm sick of writing good songs. I'm going to split <laughs> this band up and just write a load of old shite. Um, That's clearly what he did, yeah. Which is obviously what he did. So there you go. Quite as a, Basically, two albums that are our worst albums don't really have that much to do with what we cover on this podcast no, anyway, no, but, no, no, but fuck, fuck it. it. Um, right, let's get into it then. Ten to one of the very best albums of 2018. I started last week. I'm going to carry on starting because, you know, we said the reason why. Um, <laughs> number 10 is, uh, thank you, Renfrey, for bringing this person to my attention, On Dark Horses by Emma Ruth Rundle. Wonderful. Cool. I f- just think this record is, especially with the context of the previous record, is a really great album of... I'm, I nearly said redemption. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's quite redemption, but I think it's an album which has shows somebody dealing with the things that uh, that they are they have been going through. I think and, it's definitely a reaction to the last yeah, album. Yeah, and I think I'm probably going to talk about that as a like this as a concept as we go into the next album I talk about as well, which is what really great artists do and what really great music does is it can make people. It can tell a story of a life, like a, a discography can tell the story of it for the best artists, can tell the story of their life through their music. Mm. And I feel like we get a really, really interesting snapshot of Emma Ruth Rundle's life from the sort of follow up uh, from the, from her previous work mm-hmm. to where she is now. It's heavy, but not sort of sonically heavy. Nope. Um, it is emotional, but it's not ever kind of moribund it's no, never overwrought yeah never overwrought it's not it's uplifting but it's never saccharine yep. um uh, i think it's pitched so brilliantly lyrically i think she writes some really really interesting lyrics really really honest lyrics i think the band behind her has made this feel less like a singular idea from a person and more like a collaborative collection and when she sings you don't have to cry 
anymore on that last track. That is one of the best moments of music in 2018. Well, just that pause. Just that, just that pause is, that says, she says as much in that pause as some yeah. bands say in their entire career about about their their life and and I, I think it's um it's a record that has grown and grown like when i first heard it i thought oh this is quite good and it's grown and it has grown and it has grown and it has grown with me and it's become well my 10th favorite album above two albums like you know my my 12 and 11 were turnstile and death heaven both mm. of whom at some point were at number 1 that's excellent in my list that year uh this has never been number 1 but it has mm risen and kind of uh it stayed with me since from the moment i kind of heard it and i, I think it's i think it's fucking brilliant and she's brilliant so yeah. um I'm delighted. yeah that's my number 10 emma ruth rundle on dark horses brilliant renfrey kick us off with yours number okay 10. well my number 10 is something which i suspect will be in uh your list as well it's idols uh joy is an act of resistance mm-hmm. um this record I love the way that this record has basically taken over this year, you know, considering that it is an album that discusses all these themes that we've heard loads about, like toxic toxic masculinity and Brexit and um, immigration, all this kind of thing. And the fact that it's attracted an audience who uh, maybe some of these, maybe some of these songs are actually aimed at, Yeah, I think in some cases. That's something that you couldn't do if, you know, I mean, some people who listen to this podcast will be like, oh, but sonically, it's just not very heavy and it's a bit too jingly jangly for me and blah, blah, blah. If it had, you know, Timmy Borg's production, it wouldn't have attracted those audiences. And that's the thing. There's an awful lot of music that preaches to the converted. Yeah. But what's really actually difficult to do is to preach to people you actually need to preach to mm. um and idols when i saw them um earlier this year i thought i saw an amazing case of them doing that um i think the lyrics like the sloganeering on this record is amazing it is almost an, a whole album of sloganeering but then they're not empty slogans at all you know the mask of masculinity is a mask a mask that's wearing me and uh this, this snowflakes and avalanche and i put homophobes in coffins and shit like that you know it's also a really funny record as well it is funny yeah really funny you know um i fucking love you i really love you look at the card i bought it says i love you <laughs> yeah that's great um, and that that kind of comes in just before i think you know again really really um uh you know i i hope that you you know, you try and change me. I hope that you will stay the same like that. That's like right. talking about, you know, which Beautiful is a really lyric. brilliant line. And yeah, oh, well, yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep shut for a minute. Um, I kissed the boy and I liked it. Blighty wants a blue passport back. Not quite sure what the union's for. Burning bridges and closing doors. Not not sure what she sees on the seashore. Yeah. You know, it's really fucking smart and clever. And mm. But to kind of insinuate that it's just sort of wacky humour, it's not. There's a lot of... Um, intent and mm. there's a lot there's a lot of anger behind those lines but the thing is and yeah i was gonna say punk rock's always done that though yeah exactly. punk rock has always gone let's like the you know the clash 
look like a fucking cartoon. The Ramones yeah. are a cartoon yeah. or a living fucking cartoon. Like yeah. those songs are so ca- are really catchy and they sound silly. You know, like beat on the brat. Like that's like sounds fucking silly. Absolutely. You know, like but their songs about fucking heartache and heroin addiction and you know like being a pimp like the Ramones songs. But you know. Or, or not even being a pimp, but being a fucking rent boy. Like, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. those are what those songs are about. But yeah, they're presented yeah. in this kind of cartoonish way, and and that's why they work, yeah. and that's what idols are doing. So, I mean, again, we uh, we spoke about the criticism of like, oh, was it this and like, what's it? I don't really. Though that's a that is a fucking stupid, stupid bastard criticism mm. to go. Mm. Well, it's a bit silly, isn't it? It's like, yeah, punk rock's fucking silly. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, but I, I, you know, yeah, to an extent, it's. I, w- I think silly is completely the wrong word. I, I think I think it's it's just using humour to mm. put a point across, yeah. you know. Um, uh, but if you insinuate that it's empty or there is no point that is being put across, yeah. I mean, have you heard like a song like June? Are you really telling me that a song like June is empty? Like fuck off. Mm. Like seriously, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, it's absurd. Um, I also think you know. Post-punk, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's just a post-punk album, although there is unde- undeniably a lot of post-punk stuff on yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Um, post-punk is not a genre that I naturally um, go towards. But I think musically there's so much interesting, discordant, angular, angry stuff on this album that it just sunk its claws into me. I think... I think if you said to me at the beginning of this year that a post-punk album would be in my top 10, I would have laughed at you. But even though this isn't what I, you know, naturally, uh, naturally gravitate towards, it's just, you know, I I think songs like Colossus, the way that, which has one of the best fake endings I've ever heard in my life, that song. Yeah. You know, it just stops for about 15 seconds, which is quite a lot of t- long time when it's just total silence, then comes in again with this raucous oi 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 punk thing, which which is one of the most am- amazing moments I've heard on a record this year. You know, I think I think this is a really, truly stunning album and I'm so overjoyed that something intelligent and something that has a very deep important message is doing so well yeah i think it's wonderful Mm. so yeah there you go number 10 joy is an act of resistance by idols uh my number nine i would like to kind of just pick up from what i was talking about with emma ruth rundle before uh and something else as well because my number nine like i say i think the best artists tell you the story of their life through their discography um also last week we talked about behemoth someone on twitter said he wants me to call them behemoth i've heard nurgle call them behemoth too many times to not call them behemoth okay but anyway (laughs) but the word is behemoth i am i am aware of that so yeah but we said about the satanist how you couldn't really follow that like it's pretty impossible for a band to be able to follow something so uh, so impressive and, and and top it. I think there's a weird. I was thinking about this today as I was sort of mulling over this record, and I was thinking people get quite obsessed with the idea of bands topping records, don't they? Mm. Oh, Ma- Metallica will never top Master of, Pu- Master of Puppets. Mm. You know, like how how our Machine Head needed to top the Blackening, um, and they didn't. So you know, they're not going to headline download anymore. Mm. That's a very prominent, prevalent 
mindset to be taken within music i think um but i actually like to try and think well when you put a discography together you know like i said with they moved under what does it say about that artist and where they are and, and it's not about topping every album it's about doing something different and about showing how you feel at that particular point showcasing and a moment in yeah, time yeah yeah and that's what architects did on holy hell and you know and i do believe that you know all our gods have abandoned us is a very very different rec a very very difficult record to have to write a follow-up to um talk of topping it seems like a quite a trite conversation to be having when you hear the records which you know has only been out a little while but um i don't at this point even know what the best architects album is anymore i just know that when they make a record it is such a perfect snapshot and encapsulation of their collective ideology at that point and their their uh, a fucking they're a band in a scene that often has very little in the way of genuine heart who are able to to show to to kind of bear their soul and i think that is one of the things that sets architects not one yeah one of the things that sets architects apart maybe the biggest thing that sets architects apart along with the kind of the technical maelstrom of riffs and heaviness and you know the fact that they are just better at doing that type of music than any of the other bands um within their kind of like you know they are they're the best band at, at doing that thing um to the point where i just almost don't really consider them one of those bands anymore because they've got so much more extra stuff to them and i think holy hell is is fucking amazing i think it's um just a great tribute to tom it's a great uh snapshot of like i say of their collective feelings and thoughts at this point um talk of topping daybreaker or lost forever or fucking or whatever all our gods or, all our gods, or what you know whatever album you want to <laughs> pick out from or mm. like hollow crown obviously would be for some people mm. would be a big one as well mm. but you know talk of topping that i just think they're leaving us with this <laughs> unbelievably rich um and varied back catalogue of of themselves of pieces of themselves throughout you know the, the last decade and they are one of the biggest bands in this country and in, in in that world and deserved absolutely deservedly so i think this record is is just is everything that is everything that if, if you just sat down to me and gone what exactly what do you want what do you hope for from the next architects record i think holy hell would be it Holy hell would be exactly what I want. And that's not always a good thing, like for some people to go, what do you want? You know, <laughs> what do you want for the new Metallica album? I want another, I want blackened again. I want battery again. <laughs> like, you know, it's not always a good thing for people yeah. to feel like not they've been had. No, 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 no. But certainly with Architects, I think people just wanted, I don't think people mind that it's maybe not quite as heavy uh, because it doesn't feel like that's the order of the day. And the fact that they've been able to write, you know, slightly more melodic sounding songs yet at the same time. I mean, we spoke about it at the time, you know, they, they with the song like The Seventh Circle, which is fucking unbelievably heavy. Like they yeah. still do do that. But um, 
I just think they're they're just such a fucking great band and they're such a great example of of what kind of more popular I wasn't gonna, I'm not gonna say mainstream but more popular sounding metal bands can do bands who exist in the sort of halfway up the main stage at download bill when you look at a lot of those bands a lot of them six seven albums in they start to lose what it is that made them exciting in the first mm. place and when you look at you know a lot of those when you look at stuff like of mice and men or mm. you know whoever mm. I, I i think architects are so far ahead of them so far ahead and this record is is the record that they that i think everybody would have wished that they made and I know I'm not the only person who thinks that because it's been incredibly well received. And um, I was going to say, I'm getting a sort of vague um, impression and tell me if this is wrong, but do you think it was uh, received not as well as you expected it to be for just, just because you started it out by saying, you know, they don't have to top the last record? I've or heard... I, have I missed... No, no, I've, I've, heard mic- I've heard mixed things right. from various people. <laughs> I think a lot of people are going, oh, it's not as good as the last one, which, you know, it's very, it's really different to the last one. And the last one, like, you know, they'll never be able to capture what they did in the last one ever again because of Mm. the circumstances that they won't be able to. Mm. And, um, and that was, that, that is a, I think that record has got something, has got a a sort of magic about it. But I think this record's got its, its own different, you know, Josh has come in and done some, and written some incredible, like you know he he is fitted in seamlessly into the band um the lyrics that dan have written are really moving and i think the just the tone and the pace and the feel of the entire thing is just like i say it's just everything i think anyone could have wanted from that band so there you go that's my number nine architects holy hell um my number nine is uh it's interesting you're talking about um bands following something up because uh, my number nine is uh black peaks yeah the divides now um statues was uh my favorite album of 2016 i think it was mm-hmm. and it was yours as well wasn't it was it? yeah so um i'm gonna sort of slightly go against what you were saying in terms of i suppose my nerves at uh, black peaks are a band who i you know, sometimes you just feel ownership of a band. Um, yeah. You know, I don't really have a right to it, but I, you, sometimes you just do. Sometimes you just adore a band so much and you've seen them so much and you've seen them grow and all that kind of thing and you just adore them so much. I was probably most trepidatious uh, about Black Peaks more so than any other album because, let's face it, uh, British rock bands, there is kind of a bit of a history of... British rock bands releasing amazing debuts and then not being able to fill it uh, to, to follow it up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't have anything to be disappointed. I didn't have anything to worry about at mm. all. I don't think. I think Black Peaks have created a brilliant follow up to Statues, which is uh, progressive. I think it has. I love the fact that they've gone into progier territory and progier elements um my one beef with the record when we were talking about it really is if anything i think they could go further into those elements Uh um it feels like to me that they've taken i suppose 
the reason why this is number nine and not higher is because it feels like they've taken three quarters of a step towards that when they should have taken a whole step. But that's, you know, that's kind of my main, my only beef with this album in terms of, I, I, I think at its best on songs like Ether and The Midnight Sun and Slow Seas and Eternal Light. Oh. It's just astronomically brilliant uh, to the point where they at least equal the material from statues, if not better it. Um, and in terms of exactly what you were just saying about seeing a band's progression, I think we'll look back on All That Divides as a brilliant kind of point where Black Peaks began to change, the beginnings of a change and began to progress and and uh branch out into more almost almost like leviathan by macedon is almost like a halfway house between them trying a kind of proggy uh proggy type ideas in terms of like having like a 13 minute song on there and, and it being a concept record and so on and so forth but then they didn't fully embrace those kind of proggier elements until blood mountain kind Mm. of thing i kind of hope that in a sense this is black peaks is leviathan Mm. Um, in that sense, I mean, mm. I don't think it is Leviathan-esque, really. But like, no, it makes sense though because yeah. you know, remissions obviously the heavy one. Yeah, 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 that. yeah. You could say that statues is more of a kind of wilder, exactly heavier thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think I think statues. You know, they're kind of. I mean, there are lots of things on statues, but they're predominantly sort of post-hardcore bands. I think here they are post-hardcore prog, mm. and maybe next they'll go to prog, or maybe next they'll go somewhere else. Who knows? But. I think the future is really exciting with Black Peaks. I think these songs sound massive. We've already talked a lot about how they are still not playing rooms big enough to contain these songs. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think that's really exciting. I definitely think they sound bigger than Statues, which is, is a hell of a thing to pull off because it's not as if those songs sounded small. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I love it. I, 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 I can't wait to see the Black Peaks epic i can't you know i i hope one day that we get like a 10 minute black peak song because i yeah. think that i think they make seven minute songs sound like they're three minutes so i don't see why we can't get a 10 11 minute black peak song and i reckon that would be fucking awesome um not that i should dictate where a band should go but <laughs> you know uh guys if you're listening because i know you are um but yeah it, it, i think it's an amazing exciting step forward for a band who the best is probably yet to come and mm. that's quite scary when you think about how mm. good black peaks have been i agree so. uh there you go so that's black peaks uh all that divides <laughs> i'm hearing that Can't later on my number eight uh is a band who you know i we've had this conversation a fair bit over, over the course of this podcast rollo tomasi time will die and love will bury it i have a feeling this is going to be on your list so i'm going to keep this fairly brief what i will say is that i was someone who was aware of rollo tomasi i'd listened to them a fair bit um over the years now and again but i'd never gone fully in on rollo tomasi and if i'm being honest because this sounds so good i still haven't been able to drag myself away from it (laughs) um i've always thought they were a very 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 good live band very good and but this is this is a real shock. This is—I was going to say—this is like the biggest shock of the year for me. It's not quite, but I was shocked at how, just how great this record is. Um, and I probably shouldn't have been by, you know, you're shaking your head again. No, you no. shouldn't have been. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess because I hadn't really invested that much into Rolo Tomasi, 
I I was really like fucking hell. This is absolutely incredible. Um, again, it was so emotional, mm. so varied. We spoke last week about the balancing the seesaw of two different elements. Eva Spence on this record to be so fragile and so light as a feather one minute and then to be so crushing the next minute is and it's funny when we talk about like the heaviest albums of the year and stuff like we talked about like on twitter the other day i said what do you think is the heaviest album of the year and people came up with you know just a bunch of death metal albums like yeah. this to me is this is genuinely heavy mm-hmm. Definitely. like genuinely even the quiet bits are heavy yep. Yep. it's it's such a bracing record. Do you know what I mean? It, it is, it's such a, an all-encompassing, unbelievably harsh sound. Like, e- like I say, even when it's beautiful, it, the intensity of this record is... This is one of the most intense records of the year. Like, to, to be able to, to keep up that level of just further even in quiet parts i i i i think is is some serious like achievement mm. like it really really is i mean when a song like a flood of light which just mm. takes you all over the place mm. um the musicianship on it is incredible the craft on it is incredible the bravery to to really go to those two different places and and allow that journey to build and build and build or to 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 settle and settle and settle do you know what i mean to kind of fizzle out so slowly uh it's an absolute masterclass in dynamics it is again a record which clearly is incredibly personal and incredibly um emotion is something which is in in a it's an emotionally difficult record to listen to and that to me makes it very very heavy and like yeah. i say even the beautiful parts are just feel so intense it's like have you seen the sopranos yeah so you know One the last scene shows. of the sopranos yes where they're in the diner, in the diner. Yeah. and journeys don't stop believing them. and that nothing's happening mm. but there's just this sense of kind of dread yeah in it right and i'm not saying there's a sense of dread on this record but even the quiet parts you just like in that scene, you still feel like tense, mm-hmm. even though yep. nothing. They're just eating a burger or there's whatever. Barely any dialogue. There's only any dialogue, dialogue, and there's journey. Is... Don't stop believing, playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you still feel like, oh fuck, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And this record keeps you on a knife edge like that throughout the entire time. It, it's amazing. I presume it's going to be coming up on in yours later, so I'm not going to speak too much about it. But that to me is the reason why it's here because I think it's one of the most brilliantly ambitious, intense and emotional records of the year. So yeah, that's my number eight. Relative Massey, Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It. Mm. Awful lot of nodding going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, you love nodding. On my side. Oh, well, I'm agreeing with a lot of things you're saying, my friend. You weren't, you're an architect. Uh, <laughs> my, my number eight is um, Me Without You, Untitled. Uh, now, I love Me Without You. I think they're a genuinely unique band. Oh yeah, this album's really good. Oh, it's so, phenomenal. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. I haven't, been able to stop listening to it at all i think they're completely fearless they do whatever they want to do untitled is no exception i think it might be my favorite 
Me Without You record. It's a, it's a tough call because they're all quite different. Um, at one point or another, they've been labelled everything from experimental punk to post-hardcore to indie to art rock. But they've never actually anchored themselves to a singular sound. And I think bands like that are often not really talked about in the music press all that yeah. much because they're really difficult to define and they're really difficult to talk about. Mm. Um, and certainly, probably in my top 20, in terms of trying to define what this record is and actually you know, give you, the listener, someone who may not have heard it, an impression of what it is and what it does and where it goes. And it is probably the most difficult record to talk about from that point of view because you can't really get a grasp on it. Yeah. But to be honest with you... I think that's the case with most art, most brilliant art, you mm. know, most art, which is just like on a higher plane, which is just absolutely phenomenal is stuff that you can't necessarily grasp, mm. you know? Um, I think the band managed to conjure an extreme level of visceral intensity without simply resorting to, you know, turning on distortion pedals or simply crack cranking up the volume or anything like that. In many ways, it's the heaviest they've ever been. Uh, but yet, at the same time, the melodies that are on this record sound timeless. They sound as if they have been in the world and in the ether, just in the air for all time. They're like old folk melodies, mm. almost. Um, musically, it switches moods and tempos and changes all the time. There's like psychedelic... Psych psychedelic passages there's pop on here there's ambience there's post hardcore and it, it makes for quite a disorientating listen sometimes but i think that's intentional mm. you know um i think aaron vice's lyrics i, th I think aaron vice's ah man possibly in my top five lyricists of all time jesus um, he has that thing of you know the way that Omar, no, sorry, Cedric. Cedric. Apologies, uh, <laughs> getting my afros mixed up. Uh, <laughs> you know the way that Cedric um, has that thing of like, you don't exactly know what he's singing about, and written down, it kind of sounds like gobbledygook. But if the intention behind a phrase like "send transmission from the one arm scissor" is mm. so fraught, and so you know it's about something. Yeah, I, I have no like. I've been listening to One Arm Scissor since two thousand. I've no idea what "send transmission from the one arm scissor" means. I know it means something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Iron Vice is amazing at doing that. You know, like lyrics like "All joking aside, five fingers wide, should the bed of the bride be despair? Tell your parents it's true, though I'd never physically hurt you. I do know some Arabic prayer, but I left." Uh, what was left of my self-respects like a Swiss army knife on the ground and a pocket of coins at the IDF checkpoint by what some call the Temple Mount. What the fuck is that? Don't know. Uh, no idea, but I'll tell you what it is. It's poetry. Mm. And there's a lot of people who would just be like, oh, it just sounds like a bunch of words put together. And uh, that is your fucking loss. Because <laughs> if you can't find, like, the the whole idea is the sense of mystery and trying to unpick it and trying to think like the way that those lyrics are just screamed basically this is uh during wendy and betsy you yeah. know it's so intense and it's it's absolutely amazing but then at the same time you have these beautiful passages which are like i say which are just these timeless melodies which it's a really beautiful difficult record it's a record that they looked inwards a lot um aaron vice was originally going to write about political stuff that's been going on and he was just like every single time i tried to 
focus on issues that were out there i ended up pointing at myself mm. and trying to figure out what was wrong with me inside so you know you know it's incredibly personal and he's usually quite open about what songs are about but he's just he's just clamored up with this one so it was obviously very personal and dark and but i think the intent is put across musically and i don't think you need to know yeah um i think it's a really beautiful mess of a record it's a great record i'd kind of forgotten about it actually it's made me go oh, yeah it's the old kind of king of spain queen of portugal yeah, all that yeah, kind of stuff yeah. yeah it's really really good i'd kind of forgotten about that record but it made me want to go back to it but yeah it's a that is a fucking great record it's so wonderful there you go yeah. me without you untitled that's what's called isn't it yeah yeah um all right my number seven uh came in this is the one that came in kind of last minute so it ousted pig destroyer uh because it's only been out a couple of weeks and it's probably no great surprise to anyone that this band have got in there because i am a huge huge massive fanboy and have been for the last couple of years failure uh in the future your body will be the furthest thing from your mind which is essentially a collection of four eps and uh that have been put together and i did wonder like as the eps were being released i kind of shut up about them because i thought i knew they were going to be coming up as an, as an album so i didn't want to go in like oh new failure ep oh new failure ep oh new failure ep mm-hmm. i wanted it to i always imagined that it would be uh an album Mm-hmm. that they were making an album but they were just kind of drip feed releasing it which is a very odd thing to do but then failure are a very very unique band we spoke yeah. about it in the review a few Incredibly weeks ago unique. um tall and pink floyd and um sort of post grunge and the beatles and this amalgam of just fucking every great cool thing in alternative music done with a kind of sheen and a class and a you know they've they've got the same thing that Tool have got, where they feel outworldly and they feel they've got above. an enigma edge. Yeah, the enigmatic. They've got like they feel above everyone else. Yeah. I just listen to Failure and I just think you just seem above everybody else. Like mm-hmm. I was listening to a brand new record from a uh, a band that we both really really like, whose album is coming out in January, and it's a similar sort of alternative rock thing. And I was like, this is fucking, this is great. This record's fucking great. But then I put Failure on afterwards and I go, as great as that record is, it, you know, like, mm. I feel like not anyone could be Nirvana, but Nirvana yeah. sound like humans. Do you know what I mean? Like Nirvana sounds yeah, human. Yeah, 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 Failure yeah. almost feel like they're too good to be, they're, they're geniuses. I know, you don't quite know how they get to that point, do yeah. you? You're like, how have you put this together? The, this is extraordinary. The yeah. tone and the depth and the craft and the ambition and the soundscape and the way that it all just kind of weaves together so yeah. perfectly. Four EPs should not an album make, but this album is unbelievable. I mean... And it, it sounds like a whole as well. It does. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, really does. It I mean, sounds, uh, you know, separate. No one left into Solarize into whatever makes uh, what makes it easy is like a great. If you want to sort of start in a place that just sounds that will just make you go, yeah, 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 rockers are great. But then when you get to the end, like the last song, um, the the Pineal Electra, mm-hmm. which is, is full fucking Beatles like. You know that that Sergeant Pepper thing, which we talk yeah, about a lot. You like, said Beatles, and I said Pink Floyd. I mean, I, I, th- I think it's fifty-fifty. But it yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. the sort of thing. Like, I mean, when you a band who we both love, like Alice in Chains, yeah. who on their last album went for a, a bit of a at points a sort of Beatlesy thing. Bands yeah. do do that, yeah. and nobody really ever 
you can kind of see it coming and no one really ever gets that close apart from failure <laughs> like do you know what i mean in terms of like modern bands mm. you hear it and it always seems really obvious or you know it always seems really kind of trite mm. and i think failure they just fucking nail it because they're that good this record's brilliant it's not as good as the heart is a monster and i don't think the mm. heart is a monster is as good as fantastic planet mm. but the fact that this is the sort of seventh best best album in a far better year um mm. goes to show in the sort of the the high esteem in which i i hold this band i think they're 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 the criminally underrated band ever probably definitely a really good shout i can't think yeah i can't think of any more off the top of my head now but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. They're, i they're mean a phenomenal they, band. they just sound like they should be bigger than 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 everybody do you know what i mean they, they, they still they make records that i don't i i you go and see them like, i mean, last time i saw them there's hardly anyone watching them yeah. it's like these songs don't sound right in front of a half empty club yeah, uh, yeah they, sh- they should yeah. be being played at like wembley stadium mm-hmm. it doesn't sound right it's fucking bullshit but anyway there you go in the future your body will be the furthest thing from your mind that is the latest failure album and i just don't understand people that don't like them or why they're not big i can't <laughs> I, I don't understand <laughs> i agree they're brilliant yeah. um i think it came in too late for me i was just like oh, i can't change my albums anymore uh but yeah it's a phenomenal record yeah. and if i if i'd had it earlier there's a good chance it'd be in here, I have mm. to say. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a brilliant really album and everyone should listen to Failure. Um, what number were we on, Steve? Seven. Nice. You had a uh, battle of the debut albums last week. I did. Did you not? Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a similar battle, which is going to commence now. <laughs> um, and um, the first album is uh, one of one of yours that you had last week. It's uh, Arizona by Vane. Uh-huh. Um getting a little bit fed up of people saying that this is merely um code orange covering slipknot's debut album uh, yeah as on. if that's a bad thing like <laughs> just 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 going oh that's all it is though is it's just code orange covering slipknot's debut album. <laughs> yeah. well, that sounds fucking mind-blowing to me like, <laughs> getting what? two really great things <laughs> this is just a blowjob made out of chocolate <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> that, that sounds pretty fucking good to me. I mean, what what more do you fucking want? Um, but but what what is irritating is it is actually much more than that. It, mm. Like, yes, that is a lot of what this record is. But and and we made this, you, you know, you made this point last week. This is a debut album, and people keep comparing it to all these absolute genre classics, and it's like. You know, the first Converge album, which everyone's forgotten about, ain't great, to be honest no. with you. You know, they were 14 when they made that. To be yeah. Fair. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm not just in Converge, but, no, no. you know, like it's not it's not as if bands don't shit this stuff out on their first album. But I think Vane are so it, it, the fact that they're doing this on their first record, it is so exciting what they could potentially do later. Um, I think what I would like to see them do, there's a lot of kind of um, interludes on this record, and that's where the majority of the dynamic shifts are. Um, mm. There's a song called Untitled, which, you know, is quite it's borderline post-Rocky in a way. Yeah. Um, and it's like 59 seconds long. What I would like to see is them integrate those dynamics into the songs, and I think that is the next step into into the uh, longer songs, I should say. Yeah. Um, but what they managed to do 
which is an incredibly difficult thing for bands to pull off is b incredibly heavy but at the same time managed to cram in hooks yeah and these are hooks which are in the guitarist these are hooks which are in the vocals and that's a really difficult thing to do you know and vain do it in an extraordinary way they also flirt with melody a little bit i think um that's quite exciting for the band's future tracks like doom tech and the title track the um last two minutes of arizona title title track is so hooky um and has this beautiful piano refrain but avoids being sappy Mm. uh and i think that's quite difficult to do like when you get quite a melodic voice come in over very very heavy music sometimes it can just sound really off like not good Mm. uh i think they totally avoid that um and yeah this record's 27 minutes and it just throws so many ideas you said you said last week that it doesn't throw as many ideas out as the as quickly as the um ep does yeah i think (laughs) over a full length album i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing no no to be fair i don't really um but it still throws a lot in 27 minutes it feels like you've gone on a journey twice as big as what you'd normally be given on an album, which is 45, 50, mm. you know, but it is just 27 minutes. Yeah. I think the future is so promising for Vane. I agree with you in terms of that scene. They are second only to Code Orange. And to be honest, I mean, I don't expect Code Orange are going to wrestle on their laurels, but if they did for a second... Vane could overtake them. I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, mm. I feel like their Code Orange are the kings, but Vane are catching up quickly. Let's yeah. put it like that. I, I I love this record. Yeah, it's good. Isn't it? It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Arizona by Vane. That's your number seven. My number six is a, a, again an album that you've already spoken about. So uh, I'll try and find a different way to say how much I like uh, Joy as an Act of Resistance by Idols. Yeah. Now. You mentioned June. I think that's the moment for me where that record became something like genuinely transformative. And uh, and people, and you have done it, and there's no nothing wrong with talking about the political message of that. People like to talk about this like it's a political album. Um, I actually think it's a lot more than that. I think it's a yeah. lot more than just a political album. I, I think, think this June is, is proof positive that yeah, it's more this than is a album. This is a record about you know uh well it is what it's it's celebrating all kinds of june's a very 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 difficult song to listen to um but this is a positive but overall this is a positive record this is a a record about love and about life and it's not it is a bit cartoony in the in in some of it Uh, i think that just makes when it hit it hits so much harder when those bits come in because you know it is fun yada 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 a a a a danny nadelko spelling out um fucking uh uh the bit at the end of danny nadelko where they they spell out community um yeah danny nadelko danny nadelko community fuck you yeah um and when they do that on jules holland and he like he bleeps himself when he goes the blank the blank the blank yeah the you like Again, really, really creative way and uh, of kind of of getting around that kind of yeah, censorship yeah, yeah. problem, which most people probably wouldn't even have noticed. No, to no, be honest, no. um, uh, I just think that that it's 
far, far, far more than just a post-punk record. It's far more than just a political sloganeering record. It's far more than... Even people who like it, I think, have kind of undersold exactly mm. what it is. Because I think it's... Um, musically, it's not reinventing the wheel. I don't think it needs to. No. Do you know what I mean? Like Musically, it, it, it does lean very heavily on Pill and on The Clash mm. and on um, The Fall and on um yeah that that's those school of bands it's also got a tonality I, I, to it just of, super quickly sorry, I, I will say that i personally think it's more exciting than any of those bands that you've just mentioned musically but i'm not an expert on those bands well, so. the clash yeah okay well <laughs> i mean the clash are like over 40 years old so i think we will let them off um but and <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah but it's it's a really really great record yeah. i love the diversity of it i love the message behind it i love the fact that you know he's writing songs about body positivity to his daughter yeah, yeah he's writing yeah. songs about the fact that he is a father to uh, an unborn child um and that fucking hurts that song it fucking re- it really 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 hurts like just listening to it is difficult. I think the second half of the record is amazing. Um, particularly, like, I think the first half of the record is great. Mm. It's really, really good. But I think the second half of this record is com- totally incredible. And it's great for me to see a band, like you mentioned earlier, to see a band who sound like this getting in the top five in the album charts. So, you know, mm. I, I've seen people going, well, they're an indie band. I've seen people going... They're this, they're that, and I just don't buy any. Like I, I think the criticisms, the, the criticisms. I've said it before. The criticisms of it that I've heard uh, just prove to me that it's people who don't really know what punk rock is. Well, also, just the small-mindedness of using oh they're just an indie band as an insult. Yeah, yeah, and oh they're you know oh it's just political sloganeering. Hmm. Well, it's not. Um, there's a juxtaposition there. There's an amazing, I think there's an amazing juxtaposition. Those yeah. lyrics, like, like you, you know, you mentioned the, you said about the kind of cartoonish nature of it, and that is, you know, as I said quite rightly, like that is there. It's always been there in punk rock. It's always been something where you will chuck in something that just sounds uh, catchy yeah. to then hit someone with. But then when you juxtapose that with baby shoes for sale, never worn. Yeah. Like, yeah. And there's no, works. you know, the, the, there's just no hiding on this record. Nope. There's no hiding from anything. Like everything that it says, everything that it stands for is writ large. Like there's albums that we'll talk about that take a little bit more thought as to what is this actually about? Like, you know, looking at the Rolo Tomasi album. Hmm. There are bleak, obtuse kind of references to what that might be about, which makes me think, I don't really know what this is about. I don't need to know. It's personal and that's enough for me. But with this record, it's such a such a exciting kind of bosh in the face. Mm. There you go. Here's my entire personality. Here's my entire belief system. Here's my personal life. Here's what's been happening to me. And here's it done with a kind of a wink and a smile and you know with my bum out like do you know what i mean it it's that it's 
yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, fu- it's fucking, it's fucking brilliant. So yeah, yeah. yeah, it's great to see the sort of love that this album's got, and uh, and I, I really, really love it. So that's my number six. Idols, Joy is an act of resistance. What's your number Lovely six, stuff. Rundry? My number six. Uh, it's no surprise that I'm a massive fan of uh, black gays and this uh, scene as a whole. So mm. uh, in my fight for the debut albums, it just had to be Jord by Mole. I had a funny feeling. Yeah. Um. I have championed this whole black gaze thing quite a bit. Um, I've kind of admitted last week that I guess, you know, Death Heaven was the reason that I got into a lot more like proper extreme music and stuff like that. So it it means quite a lot to me. Um, And I think um, Mole have kind of managed to take that whole black gaze thing and put it through a very distinct filter it's almost like black k's for people who don't have patience (laughs) yeah it is (laughs) so you know um i think deaf heaven are amazing you know we talked about it last week and that new album is fantastic um but mole in 41 minutes do what deaf heaven takes sort of 70 to 75 minutes to do Mm. in a way i don't think there's anything wrong with that I quite like lengthy songs and big expanded epic stuff, but I think it's really admirable that a band on their debut album can do that, distill it to its most important essence and just filter it through and, you know, deliver it in such a concise, fantastically powerful way. And I think that conciseness has been the key to this album's success. You know, it's only 41 minutes long and yeah, it does so much. Songs like uh, Penumbra is just irresistible. The title track is absolutely beautiful. The ending of Ligament is simply just, just so, it's just, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely amazing. I think the, the gold standard on the record is Bruma, which somehow managed to be, manages to be catchy, searingly heavy, evocatively dreamy all at the same time you know um and i just i I think the success of this album is down to the fact that mole have put as much time and energy and thought into the shoegaze elements as they have the heavy heavier elements Mm. which i don't think is always the case with these bands um it feels like a true amalgam most of the time most of the time on this on george you are getting black metal and shoegaze together yeah it's rare that you're getting one or the other um the other thing that i think is awesome about this record obviously black metal vocals are going to put off a lot of people and i can totally understand why you know they are not for everyone but there is an amazing instrumental version of this record so even if that would have put you off um there's no need didn't know that yeah yeah, there's no need for it to put you off because there is an instrumental version of this record available i think it's only available on download but you know just the fact that they have done that i think is really fucking cool not to take anything away from kim who's a phenomenal vocalist especially live he's very intimidating um but yeah if you so choose to you can listen to it instrumentally i think that's i think it's cool to acknowledge that you know shout out (laughs) <laughs> but black, you know black metal vocals aren't for everyone yeah, and I think that is cool that they have done that 
Yes, good um, record that. Good. Yes, fucking yeah. awesome. So there yeah, you go. Great record. That's your number six, Yord by Mole. My number five, again, you've already spoken about it, Black Peaks, All That Divides. You know, we had the boys on, um, we spoke about the album, you've spoken about it, we spoke about it on a review, we spoke about the song <laughs> that we released. I feel like we've spoken Did about we this album. About we've spoken about this album quite a lot, so I don't really feel like there's a hell of a lot that I need to add to what I've kind of already said about this record, other than, you know, like you pointed out, I think it's a difficult record to follow up and it feels like a kind of bridging record. I think they will probably go somewhere else, but, uh, and, and kind of venture into new territories. They seem like the sort of people and the sort of band that would do that. But <laughs> as a standalone thing, you know, to, I, you know, I said it again, the, the, my main point of it was that I loved the wild experimentation on statues. And that's why it was my number one album of the year. I do feel like they've, taken a bit of the hardcore out of it and they've gone into a place places where it is a lot more proggy i think that's actually made them stand out like oddly <laughs> i think it's made them stand out from the crowd of their peers um oh, even yeah. more so yeah, and yeah, i yeah. think that they probably will go on and just be a, a bit of an island um in our scene um i think honing it in and focusing um focusing on those particular those those, those kind of mastodony gajirary opethy bits which you know we're kind of probably there a bit on statues, but not in the same way as they are on All That Divides. Yeah. Uh, they are far, far more prominent at this point. Cult of Luna, Tall, those kind of bands. Mm. And mm. if you're going to go for those things, if you're going to aim for it, then fuck me, you might as well aim for it. And when you've got a song like Ether, mm. which to me is the, the absolute pinnacle of the record such Stunning a fucking brilliant beautiful swirling like melodic but heavy vortex of a song like it's 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 really brilliant and you didn't you kind of we made, i mentioned it a bit on idols um and i'm gonna mention it again on black peaks the kind of the point of this record i feel like a lot of people have gone it's a political record and da 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 da, da. it is a bit I mean, it is, mm -hmm. but it's again, it's more than that as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's more than that. I think this is a record about confusion. Yep. This is for people confused with the state of the world that they, they look at. Yep. This isn't a preachy record in any way. Yep. This is a record just kind of going, I don't like, can we not do this? It's a record going, I don't understand how yeah. human nature can do, yeah. you know, can, can, for example, let immigrants drown in the sea uh, yeah and it, it, it's going example. i you know i'm worried about i don't really know why the world is the way it is mm. but surely can't we all just yeah go over here there is and hope yeah yeah it's, hope a, it's it. a very hopeful album it's a sad album and it's a hopeful album and i've got to say like shout out joe gosney for the the absolutely fucking stunning brent hines impression that he does yeah, <laughs> yeah. because it, yeah. you know like and that's not a dispar i'm not i don't mean that as a di in no. a disparaging way at all no. like he is probably the only person who is getting close to um doing the kind of absolutely wild shit that brent hines does yeah. on the best of mastodon like yeah. that is not a comparison that i make lightly but nope. joe is very good i mean the whole band of fucking great but, oh yeah it's but, every single member of that band pushes to their fullest yeah you know so support. even though it was my number one before and it's now my number five i still think it's probably a better record oh wow okay yeah i do i think what? it is you'll always have that like mm. you, you said it before black peaks are your band yeah, you're yeah, gonna have yeah. that strong emotional attachment to their debut record i've got that as well yeah yeah uh but i do think objectively this is a i think this is a better record objectively 
uh, I think at its best it is. It's a tough one. It's a really hard one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a phenomenal follow-up. It's yeah. a great follow-up. I couldn't have asked for, you know, it to be better, really. Yeah. So there you go. All that divides by Black Peaks is my number five, which is your number five, Renfrey. My number five. Ran out of breath there. Very very odd. Sorry. Uh, As already been mentioned, so I'll try and keep it brief as well. Um, Emma Ruth Randall on Dark Horses. This record pulls you in immediately Mm. on Fever Daydream. And it basically transports you somewhere else entirely for its 42 minute running time. That abrupt start just takes you by surprise and just immediately draws you in. It's kind of like the musical equivalent of like an amazing opening line in a novel. You know, like if George Orwell says it was a bright cold day in April and the clocks were striking 13, you're like, oh, hello, I'm Mm. already involved. With Emma Ruth Rundle, her equivalent is fear, a feeling, is it real? So nostalgic too, it just puts the dark on you. And with all the instrumentation behind it as well, you're just suddenly you're like, okay, I'm immediately in this Emma Ruth Rundle world and I don't want you to let me go for the entire running time of this record. I think it's brilliant. Uh, I think by bringing in a band, she's kind of um, melded the best elements of her previous band marriages with her, with the best elements of her solo stuff as well. Yeah. Um, and has created this really amazing... Um, I hate the word vibe, but it's good for Emma vibe. Vibe, vibe. It's, it's very good for Emma Ruth Rundle. Emma Ruth Rundle's got it. She's got that vibe. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be delighted with that. Um, you know just, I, that atmosphere and that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it just it just creates this beautiful, evocative, melodic atmosphere. We talked a lot about. You know, I hope it doesn't come across condescendingly or shittily, but like we've talked a lot about how amazing there's. Uh, a lot of women have been in this music at the moment yeah i think it's very sincere and for me i just i i think emma ruth rundle is my favorite of this kind of whole movement of um great dark tenderness and beauty so do you want to hear number four of mine and what i would consider to be the singular biggest shock you said if, if, if Idols had come in and you said there'd been a post-punk band in your top 10, you would have been stunned. Well, I would have probably thrown you down a well uh, if you'd have said in my top five, there was going to be a proper, oh, like I... boring top man core t-shirt, boy bandy, one of them you, me at 60 type bands. Yep. In my top five, yep. I would have probably shot you into the sun in a cannon i would have gone how dare you how You've dare you incinerate that. yeah no, i can't, can't find a strong enough cannon unfortunately oh, <laughs> and uh but here we are because don broco technology <laughs> in amongst a top 10 of really really personal really really dark really heavy really kind of um emotionally weighty and really uh, musically ambitious, dexterous records. Don Broco have released a record which just sounds like a bunch of Red Bull and vodka Red Bull upped lads with (laughs) guitars covering the Pet Shop Boys and have somehow made one of the best records of the year. And I still, as I say it, I'm not quite sure... How this has happened, <laughs> but 
this record is still on constant rotation on my headphones. Wow. Okay. This week. Like, do you know what I mean? It okay. is it's probably the record that I've listened to, well, because it's been out longer. It's yeah, probably it the, came out right, the right at the start of the year. Of the year. Yeah. And it has stayed, and I thought, oh, this will be something that I'll listen to for a bit. It's quite catchy. It's good. And then it will go away. Nope. Wow. It okay. is still here. Even in blustery, wintry December months, mm. I'm still walking down the street going, nonstop 24-7. <laughs> you know, I'm not the only one listening. Oh, get messed around. Oh, get messed around. Messed around. Ooh, now, brother. Tie that shit up. I'm still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pop music when it's like this is just the most amount of fun. This record is so much fun. It's funny, like it's amusing, uh, it's catchy, it's really dexterous, it sounds production wise, sounds absolutely glorious. Some of the riffs on it are great. Um I agree with that. Some of the lyrics like the lyrics on it are great. Like even the even the stupid shit like come do a lay, come I've been going, I've been going, come do a lay, come do a lay all fucking year. Yeah. All year. <laughs> Come on, do a let. Come on, do a let. Like, what are you doing? Like, some ragger, white boy Surrey ragger, <laughs> like, pop rock. It's not me. It's not my vibe at all, Renfrey. <laughs> but this record is fucking so, so great. And I just think you have to acknowledge when something's great. I I'm not happy about it, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> like, I feel stupid going, oh, Don Broco is my number four. And all the, like, all the metal cred crew over there going to me you can't fuck you like you're not having you're not having Don Broco like I've seen that, it. it wasn't it released on Nuclear Blast well this yeah wasn't no, it not on oh Nuclear Blast it's, it's, it's Sharp Tone the subsidiary of Nuclear oh, Blast oh okay, okay, okay Nuclear Blast I, it was in my <laughs> Nuclear Blast I, <laughs> yeah, I, no. I just assumed it was, I was like huh that's a weird move for Nuclear Blast <laughs> yeah, alright yeah really and you know so I'm a bit like oh god and you know and they're managed by the worst people in the entire music industry <laughs> who I who I despise and I don't want to say anything nice about any of their bands even but it's that good that even though people who I hope genuinely hope die uh, <laughs> Is there any reason for this? Or? Yeah, I'm not going to say it oh, on right, the podcast okay. but yeah, who I genuinely hope terrible, terrible things happen to who I hate so much um, I don't want to say anything nice about their bands but I can't help it this <laughs> album is so fucking great so there you go against all my better judgment, Don Broker <laughs> Technology is my number four. There we go. Um, yeah, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> Shut up! You're not listening. You're not listening. I have, to it listen, I have listened to it. Yeah, you've right. not listened to it properly. Uh, oh, well, there we go. That'll be that'll be the issue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my number. Everybody four. likes it. I don't care what you say. You you like it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. You can't not. I've tried really hard not to like it. And it's at number four. I'm, I, I would say I'm surprised. You told me this about two months ago, so yeah. I'm not that surprised. But whoa, I'm yeah. surprised. Um, my number four is um, very similar. Um, it's a perfect circle. Eat the elephant. Uh, completely, <laughs> completely thematically similar to uh, Don Broco technology. Um, you say that. It go actually on, go is, on. It actually is a little yeah, bit. Yeah, go on, go on. The first, like, the, the title track of technology is about being sick of people using their mobile phones all the time. Ooh. So it kind of is. Look at that tie-in. That was very good. Well mm. done, Stephen Hill. It's almost as if you've been doing this for a while. Um, 
It's bugged me, the reaction to this record, quite a lot. A lot has bugged me this year. Uh, and um, that's fine. I now have a place to vent about it, so I'm going to mm. vent the fuck about it. Vent the fuck about it. Um, Maynard quite brilliantly and eloquently put on um, this album by a band who I believe you quite like called Tall mm. uh, on a song called Stink Fist. Uh, in 1996, he said, there's something kind of sad about the way that things have come to be desensitized to everything what became of subtlety. And in a sense, I feel like that is a premonitory lyric to this album <laughs> because it feels like a lot of people have just gone, oh, it's it's too it's too quiet and it's too oh there's piano on it rather than guitar oh mm. I don't like yeah, it I want that grindcore yeah, song well, like three <laughs> libras exactly. three libras I used to just bang my head to that didn't I <laughs> what are you yeah but this, is, this is the thing what you on about like I think sonically it is a, you know a more uh, I'm trying to avoid mature it, it, it is grown up but weathered it, it, yeah fine fine no, weathered you, you'd like to use <laughs> it's like but it's 14 years on and I think there are very few bands that, that manage to pull off what A Perfect Circle have done, which is effectively release an album that arrives decades later that on one hand sounds exactly like who they are, but on the, ha- other, on the other hand sounds like they progressed mm. in an amazing way. I think Faith No More did a, was a really good example of this with Soul and Victus a few years ago. Yeah. Failure. Yeah, I think Failure is a great shot, actually. Heart, mm. Heart is a monster. Um, but then, you know, a lot of the time, even bands that we adore, I mean, I think F- Freedom by Refuse was a, a, re- a really good attempt at it, but not a complete success. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite like The Great Escape Artist. I know you're not as big a fan by Jay's Addiction. I think that's a fairly yeah, good example of it. Right. But it's rare. It doesn't <laughs> happen very often. And the way that, you know, sonically, The Elephant, may well be toned down but i think as a result of that it's become more dynamic more bombastic more orchestral um and it's just it's just created this amazing smorgasbord of sounds that is even broader than any other perfect circle record before it you know and as a matter of fact speaking of dynamics i'm going to say something which is very on brand for every deadman here but I think that Eat the Elephant is effectively a post-rock record. And I think that's why I don't think people know that or realise that or have maybe made that connection. But I think that's kind of the, the mistake, you know, I don't know what a perfect circle are. What are they? A rock band of some, they're quite a unique rock band. But on a song like Disillusioned or something like that, it doesn't, it, it, it goes into so many different areas and it uses dynamics so much and it has that beautiful bit in the middle which just goes right down where it's just almost just Maynard's voice and then it comes up again. It uses dynamics in a post-rock kind of way. Mm. It's really expansive. It's quite, um, yeah, it's quite long songs and stuff like that. I think I think it is a terrific example of a band progressing. And, you know, there was sort of talk that a lot of these songs started being written as far back as 2008 yeah so they've been being worked on on and off over the years for a decade Mm -hmm. and i think that really shows on this album i think these songs are meticulously crafted i think it shows that they've been worked on 
I mean, a perfect circle have a timelessness to them. If you go back to Murder Noms now, it's released in 2000. It still could have been released yesterday, Yeah, I think. If, especially if you compare it to the stuff that was being released in 2000. I, um, 2000 was an amazing year for music, but there was a lot of stuff which sounds very 2000 that was released at that time as mm. well, you know. Um, and... I, I just I just think the craft on this record is absolutely brilliant. It's kind of like a... F- I know we're talking about politics a lot, but this is a political record, I think, in a lot of ways. I think it's a second attempt at a political record after Emotive, which is their covers album, yep. um, which was released around like the Bush administration and stuff like that. I think that was... I don't think Emotive is actually as bad as a lot of people say it is, but I do think it was misguided, Right, that record. Oh, you're smiling. Well, you're re- you're reviewing the motive in the top twenty out of the team. Get on with it. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think this is a much better attempt at that kind of um, political stance. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying not to say anything about his record. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I love the fact that the piano is kind of like lead instrument, almost. lead instrument mm. on the majority of the record. I think it's a stunning example of. You know, there were a few, there were a few mainstream magazines and so on and so forth that really bigged it up. Crown gave it five Ks and stuff like that, and it has generally it's done relatively well. In yeah, it has. Year polls. Yeah. I do feel like when it initially came out, though, there was a bit of a oh yeah, and it seems to have grown on people, and I'm really glad it has. But I thought it was wonderful from the beginning. I think Disillusioned might be my favourite song of the year. Wow, okay, cool. Well, there you go. Eat the Elephant by Perfect Circle is your number four. My number three, I know this isn't in yours, but I think it's absolutely insanity, but there we go. Uh, Stranger Fruit by Zelenada. Devil is Fine is a great record. A really, really interesting sort of demo, uh, I think, as we said before, rather than a sort of full-length record of um, of just a really, really, really unique idea. I mean, we talked about Vane, you know, oh it's just that and that oh what's the problem with this people have been saying about Zelenado I think like we said before like oh it's just those two things that have never been mixed together in any way at any point by anyone ever uh, being done perfectly with really good songs what's exciting about that yes. oh well everything you just mentioned actually mate and um, and yeah this is a people this... are fucking idiots aren't they I don't know what so annoying yeah, yeah. no I'm just going to listen to another metal album that just sounds like a... but that's, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's the thing that's people it? who just want to hate stuff yeah it's like fuck off yeah, it's stupid. Your life is shit. Um, you have no joy in your soul. Bloody hell. Sorry. Uh, 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 yeah, but anyway, um, I think Zinanada, like live, we've spoken about how great they are. And I actually think, I think they're going to make a better album than this because they're, I agree. They're, they're better live than even on this record. But this record is fucking outrageously great. It's I, a concept I will say album. very quickly, that's part of the reason it's not in my top 20. Okay. Although I do, it, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a concept album of sorts. Like I actually spoke to Manuel and did a kind of track by track um, through of it. I think it, it, it has more to it at this point than just black metal and... Um, and the sort of the, the bluesy stuff. Yeah. I think obviously there are nods to stuff like Nina Simone in it, yeah. not just in the title, but but, yeah. but in terms all of the actual, yeah, all over it as well. And I think they've rightly leaned further in towards the blues and the, the slave gang chant music than they have the black metal. I always thought they were stronger at doing that and that's where the hooks were. And I thought that was where they were going to, if they could mine that as an influence and still imbue it with the the sort of the anger and the, the white hot noise yeah. of black metal, I thought they were going to make a fucking brilliant record. Essentially, that's what they've done. Yeah. They've managed to put choruses 
and huge, huge catchy lines and parts into a type of music which doesn't really particularly ever have mm. that extreme metal is not known for being built around catchy vocal hooks mm. and yet this yeah. record yeah. has got so many of them I don't think they're going to be ours much longer to be honest honest with Free Zelenada I think they're too good for them to stick just in the in world in terms of, of you think they're yeah in go the sort of extreme metal it. underground I think if you're someone who's an extreme metal aficionado um, you probably will be quite angry with them because I think they. I don't think they're. Gonna, I don't think they're long for this scene. Um, I agree, but I think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I think it's, great. it's about fucking time. Yeah, yeah, so. it's great. Um, song like "You Ain't Coming Back" is just mm. so dark and so mm. evil. You know, like I think we've spoken a whole bunch of times of like "Row, Row" and "Ship on yeah. Fire," and when it gets to that yeah. part, it's you know, it's amazing. But there are there are subtleties in this record that just aren't on. Extreme, most extreme metal bands yeah exactly that they aren't capable of doing even I mean I don't think Death Heaven are an extreme metal band anymore but even the kind of some of the black gaze bands they do things that that, that we think are, are great and are, are sort of challenging the perception of what extreme metal is they can't do what Zelenada can do Zelenada have carved out a niche for themselves which is just so unlike any other band in in full stop at the moment they're literally the they're literally in a genre of one they're in a genre of one and if anyone tries to copy them everyone will just go you're just copying Zealand yeah yeah so which they're is in a really interesting unique really position. really interesting position yeah. and it means they can go anywhere and and it would mean nothing if the songs weren't great yeah i agree and i think on this record the songs are so great so yeah that's my number three Zealand stranger fruit even though you've uh, argued that annoyingly well, and I feel bad. But there <laughs> you go. Um, yeah, it's a phenomenal record. I completely agree with everything you just said. So, Thank you. Uh, my number three, uh, you've already mentioned it, uh, Rolis Massey, Time Will Die, and Love Will Bury It. Um, more things for me to be pissed off with the music press this year. It's no secret that um, f- for a variety of reasons, I've... <laughs> mate do you know what can i just say you've gone full alan partridge and needless to say i got that like it's this is meant to be a celebration of the best music of the year and you're turning it into like Renfrey deadman's hit list yeah. <laughs> yeah that's exactly what i want to do why don't people like bands when i like them um i just think the only thing i want to say is i don't th- i i i, I I think Rolo Tomasi have been amazing for a very long time. Yeah. Like, a, 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 a incredibly long time. I would agree that this is possibly their best record, uh, objectively. Um, although I do think it's very close between this and Grievances, to be honest. I don't think there's loads of difference. But um, I think the idea that a lot of people turned around this year and went, oh, Rola Tomasi got good suddenly. No, no, no. This is nonsense. They've always been fucking amazing. It's just people noticed this year. I think the reason for that is because Time Will Die um, gently leads you in. So with um, that opening uh, instrumental, uh, which is very kind of ambient. And uh, I mean, funnily enough, James Spence, uh, keyboardist and vocalist, is favourite record of the year is uh, Olafur Arnold's. That is it? Olafur Arnold's Remember right, okay. record, which is, you know which doesn't surprise me at all when you listen to that kind of thing, but like um, the way that it gently leads you in and then there's Aftermath, which has that beautiful vocal all sung by Eva 
have to say this is the first time that Eva's done like a couple of songs on a roller record where it's all singing and I think she's done an incredible mm. job yeah, of it's it. It's an amazing performance. Um yeah, absolutely amazing performance. <laughs> I think um roller records haven't uh ever been they've usually started very abruptly and with lots of noise going off to begin with and i think a lot of people have just gone oh it's another roller record when they've heard that and this is the first time that they've gently been brought in and taken on a musical journey and mm. the fact that you don't hear like a scream on this record for about 10 minutes and stuff like that yeah. i think that was a very astute very smart thing for tomasi to do um even if i am annoyed that people didn't get it earlier um i think uh I love the fact that James told me early in the year that he was talking to Alex Fitzpatrick, who is the um, head of Holy Bull Records. Mm -hmm. He sent him a few of the demos and uh, just to get an idea of what he thought. And Alex said to him, you know what? People really love it when you do your long songs. And um, God bless Alex Fitzpatrick for saying that, yeah. because I think there are three <laughs> epics on this record. Uh, the Hollow Hour, A Flood of Light and Contratemps. And Contratemps particularly, but I mean, all three of them are brilliant. But Contratemps particularly, just absolutely masterful. And um, I think when Rolo are given that space and that room to breathe, um, they hit these ridiculous heights, which are just stratospheric. You know, they're mm -hmm. brilliant. I kind of think Rolo Tomashi should be a national treasure. I think they should have been a national treasure for a long time in the way that, you know, Queen are a national treasure or Iron Maiden are a national treasure or Napalm Death are a national treasure or Morrissey would be a national treasure if he wasn't a cunt. You know, I think... I, I, I'm, I'm over the moon that people have got on board now. Mm. Um, but, you know, th this, this has been a thing for a long time. And uh, I, I, it's good that other people are on board, but... Yeah, like Tomasi should be in Brixton by now, you yeah. know, not Scarlet. Well, there you go. That's Renfrew's number three. And once we get him down off his soapbox, we'll <laughs> find out what his number two is. That's Rolo Tomasi, Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It. You're right, though. It's, uh, it's fucking brilliant. But hey, I'm probably as guilty as anyone else. So I, I, got, I haven't got a leg to stand on. In, it wasn't directed at you, No, I'm Steve. sure it wasn't. No, I'm sure it wasn't. Anyway, my number two, you've literally just been talking about it. So I probably should keep it uh, fairly brief as well. Eat the Elephant by Perfect Circle is my number two. Um... I'd echo all those things that you said about the kind of uh, the silly <laughs> response of, isn't it slow? Where's the heavy songs? <laughs> what have you only heard Judith? Like, yeah. I don't understand <laughs> yeah, exactly, what yeah. that is. I don't, yeah. I genuinely do not understand why. Who thought A Perfect Circle were a heavy band? No, exactly. Who yeah. thought they were? They've been over for 14 years. I've completely forgotten what they sound like. Yeah. But I have heard Judith. Yeah. It's like, no, they're not a heavy band. They're not a band built on riffs and heaviness and fucking they're a band built on subtlety and craft they're like you know when people say what's the difference between tall and a perfect circle for me it was always well tall can be really crushing yeah whereas a perfect circle are much more welcoming yeah almost and you know Ju still... judith and pet are the only songs off the top of my head that i can think of that are yeah. proper heavy and especially when you've got like talk talk ah, on yes. this record which is fucking Pretty heavy, heavy. Pretty yeah. fucking heavy, and like the do when the doomed gets heavy, yep. it gets heavy, and I mean that's you know like Ma I think Maynard's at his tooliest yeah. on Talk Talk, yeah, and I love Hourglass as well, yeah, like yeah. the one time you can use a vocoder and it actually sounds fucking cool, <laughs> like and yeah. the contrary, like there's there's so many 
brilliant songs in it. I, I actually think this is... Oh, hold on. I nearly said something which I'm not sure I agree. I was about to say, I think this is the most varied Perfect Circle record. I'm not sure if that's true, but it's certainly... A song like So Long and Thanks for the Fish, they've never done a song like that before. No. There's nothing that they've ever done that sounds like that. They've never, never done a song like Get the Lead Out before. I don't yeah, think. no, no, that's true as well. And um, I don't think it... I think it might be the most varied. Yeah. I think, what, 13th Step? Is that the... 13th Step was what I, is why I, I stopped. Mm, I think that it's a damn close thing, but I wouldn't disagree yeah. necessarily. I think maybe it is. I yeah. think maybe it is. Yeah. And um, and I think Maynard's performance on it is amazing. I lo- yeah. And I love hearing... I think what it is about it, and you sort of touched on it about the kind of mature, uh, grown-up, fucking mm. weathered, whatever you want to call it. Mm. I love to hear bands when they make no concession for their own age. Do you know what I mean? I, mm. I, and I feel like A Perfect Circle do sound like the people that A Perfect Circle would have been... The, it, it sounds like the people who made Murder Noms 18 years later yes it does and that doesn't mean they sound the same you know like that whole thing of we get these hardcore albums and like every sick of it all album or every mad album they, you go right they've not aged and that's cool as well mm. but this is really really cool when a band comes back and you go well yeah that's what i thought those people at that age would sound would like. sound like yeah you, you could you could do it with a band like black peaks for example yeah, where yeah, you go yeah. i wonder what black peaks will sound like in 18 years and i have an idea in my head of what i kind of hope or wish Black Peaks or Palm Reader or yeah, Conjure yeah, yeah. will sound like yeah. in 18 years time but when a band realises it and actually makes an album which is fully realised is that uh, I think it's brilliant and Maynard Maynard's performance as per is incredible yeah. I, I, you you touched on the piano I think the keys on this album are fucking like sublime lush, lush yeah. yeah and I th- again lyrically he's He's just fucking incredible. He's unique. Yeah. His, his, his lyrics on this record are outrageous. And again, to kind of point, not again pointing the finger at you at all, but oh. I don't necessarily think this is a political album. I think it's got touches of political con- comment in it, but I think this is much more a um, a societal record. It's a disappointment mm-hmm. at society mm-hmm. in general. I don't think that's necessarily a political... It is politically minded, mm-hmm. but I don't think mm-hmm. it's necessarily politically minded. I think lyrically, this is one of the most interesting records ever made. Yes, I agree. And I think it shows a mindset which I think just proves why Maynard James Keenan is one of the greatest minds in the history of music of any genre ever. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. That's my number two. Eat the elephant by a perfect circle. Fair play. Fantastic. Um, my number two. You mentioned it last week. The most perfect twenty-five minutes and fifteen seconds you'll find all year. Turnstile. Ah. Time and space. Yeah. Um, your point last week about how uh, we've spoken about a lot of records that are too long, a couple that are too short, but mm. not many that are perfect length. Mm. This probably is the only record this year that is a perfect length. Mm. I think. Um, maybe I, uh, yeah um, in so many ways this album is just an adrenaline shot to the face I yeah. just fucking love it um, I love it so much the idea I guess the idea of mixing 90s-esque alternative rock with hardcore isn't the most original but I don't recall a time I've heard it done as well as this I mean you're well, you're the hardcore last album <laughs> I think I think this I really like Nonstop Feeling I think yeah. it's very very good I think this is. I don't, better. It's better. It's way better. I, 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 yeah, it's better. It's, it's much. It's better. definitely better. Yeah. Um, 
I, I love the attention to detail in this record. So the hand claps on Can't Get Away, that bring in that outrageous guitar solo, the furious playing of one note on the piano during High Pressure's chorus, the role of percussion before the one note guitar solo and I Don't Want to Be Blind, the additional bleepy bloopy production that Diplo brings to Right to Be Here, the eerie, I assume, synthesized effect that begins moon which gives it this sort of spacey vibe yeah it's it's that kind of it reminds me of the attention to detail that's put to a record like rated r by queens of the stone age or something mm. like that it sounds like a band who've got these amazing songs down and then it's almost as if they spent two days going right what experimental shit can we do just to make them sl- that elevate them slightly beyond how brilliant you know it's almost like a various artists album sometimes. It's like listening yes. to a compilation album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, are... like, you know, Smashing Pumpkins, I think last week I mentioned Smashing Pumpkins. I mentioned Metallica. I mentioned Porter Z. Yeah. I mentioned yeah. fucking yeah. Orbital. I don't think I did mention Orbital actually, but like I could mention Orbital. I could mention um, uh, the Pixies. I could mention fucking anybody minor threat. Yeah. Like yeah. you could mention so many things. That's a really good point, actually. If you don't think. If you have this idea in your head that hardcore punk is just, you know, one note and just the same thing over and over again, listen to this album. Yeah. It'll only take 25 minutes of your life um, and you'll thank me because it's very, very... I think, and I didn't say this last week, but I think they've actually got more in terms of experimentation. I'm not saying they're a better band, but in terms of the amount of different stuff they do, Mm. I always would go Code Orange are the most experimental. Like, they've got the most... I think they go to more places than even even Code Orange. Yeah, do. I think I agree. And that's you know that's not me saying I think they're better than Code Orange, but mm. I, I I think you know I think they probably saw what Code Orange did and went, well, yeah, fuck it, like let's go then. Maybe, um, yeah, that's yeah, what possibly. A lot of bands have done so, uh, like you're just me giving Code Orange the credit for fucking literally everything, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you know, but yeah. Anyway. Um, there's even there's in an uh, amazing about turn. There's skits on this record, and even that doesn't ruin it. Yeah. Um, so we've talked a bit about how I just do not understand skits at all. But uh, Bomb and Disco are just really lovely breathers mm. in this record. And, and, and again, add that kind of dynamism and the, go to those, make it go to those different places without forcing it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's probably the album that I've listened to the most this year, partly because it's just re- replayability factor. Yeah. Just the fact that like... You can listen to it five times on a trot, can't yeah. you? Like, fucking yeah. I'm no pretty problem. sure I have done regularly this yeah. year. Um, I adore it. It was my number one for a very long time. Uh, I, it's just, it's a perfect record. Yeah, it's great. It's very, very, very good. So there you go. That is Turnstile's Time and Space, Renfrey's number two. <laughs> so here we... What's your number one? So here we get to number one. I would say probably the worst kept secret in <laughs> in music podcasting. And um, why, why is that? Why is that, Steve? Is that I say it was the worst kept secret. It's probably the second worst kept secret at this point. It's a small community, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah, so if you've listened to maybe not even the issue, that the, the episode that we reviewed it... Uh, I haven't really kept this secret at all what my number one is. Um, I can't remember a time. I'm excited to talk about it again because it's not gone away. It's, uh, I can't remember an album that has hit me as hard, as quickly, that is so mental as Dosia Dreams by Fucked Up. I'm stunned that this hasn't got more acclaim than it. I mean, it's not in your top 20 and that's not to say that 
you know, you should have put it in there or anything, although you, you should. It should, be, it should be number one. Um, I was waiting for you to have a go at me. <laughs> no, it's not you. I think... Um, number 14 in Kerrang. Right. Very which good. is a pathetic number for it to do. <laughs> um, but at least it's in there. Isn't it partly because of its... Um, how broad it is and the fact that it's a double record and you got it immediately. You yep. seem to be one of the few people in the world... I, I can see this feels like a record to me that in three years time I'll go oh that definitely should have been in there Yeah. but all these top 20s can be is a reaction to how you feel at the time of course yeah of course and I understand that and I um, I was going to say I understand why it's not in other people's but I, the the only <laughs> reason <laughs> the no no the only reason I don't is because I think people haven't listened to it enough and that's cool if you've listened to it once and you didn't get it first time and you went oh fuck it I can't be bothered or you listened to it a couple of times and were like yeah it's quite good but oh, I don't know if I've got the you know if I don't know if I've got the stamina to keep mm. listening to it that's cool but um but that is the reason I will hold, I will hold my hands up and go I have not got a proper grasp on it yet really still yeah, but but, but 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 that's because it's really vast and it's really big, and it came out in October. Uh, yeah, I think it was late September. Maybe late September, and I, I'm not trying to make excuses or anything like that. But there's been a lot of shit that's come out since. Of course, then, yeah, and, you know. So so yeah, it's it, it, it's it's it's. Mm. Uh, I think from I'm I'm not trying to make excuses for me or for the rest of the music press or anything like that. But yes, I I but I can understand that in mm. a way yeah it's yeah. really vast it's really really vast but there in Renfrey lies the beauty and the genius I of agree. this record what a what a fucking gift to the world this record i like i, I can't I've, I've got to the point now where i've listened to it so much that i can almost listen i can i can listen to i can start in say um talking pictures or Torch to Light. I can sort of Torch to Light and go through to Living in Simulation. And that feels like a little EP. So like I used to go, oh, I need to listen to it all the way through. Mm. And I tell you what, if you do listen to it all the way through, you have a fucking lovely time. It's an but amazing journey. It's an amazing, and it's an amazing journey if you can make the time for it. But you can even, like, I've got to the point now where I can listen to almost like little EPs, like little snippets, like like an episode. Like, you know, I'll watch, I've watched The Office both series of The Office and the Christmas specials a hundred thousand times, hence why I talk like David Brent uh, all the time. Um, so, and, um, but I've got to the point now where I can just like put on an episode from The Office and be like, yeah, there's this bit and you don't need the rest of the context around it. You just get to enjoy that one episode. Mm-hmm. And I've got to that point in, in Dosha Dreams at this point where I just can listen to sort of three or four songs and go like, that's just that bit where that happens. It is, there's so much creativity. There is, so much um, breadth, there is so much depth. I mean, I've spoken throughout this entire top 20 about bands who can get the seesaw of their different dynamics. Well, this seesaw is not even a seesaw. It's like a seesaw with like an octopus with eight different <laughs> seesaws and they yes, balance that's... all of them perfectly. And I'm going to go straight in on Damien because I know if there has been a criticism from many people, it has been the performance of Damien uh, in, on this record. Um, for my money, he is one of the most integral things on this record. I love to hear, I love to hear a punk, like I, I love a punk and a hardcore band. You know, when I think of all my favourite punk and hardcore bands, Dillinger, The Clash, um, uh, we spoke about them earlier, obviously a bunch of times, like Code Orange, you know, Converge, like bands who are, who are, who are willing to step 
way, way beyond the confines of the scene they've been put into. This record steps so far outside of punk and hardcore that, you know, much like we said about Death Heaven last week, it's barely a hardcore it's album. Not, really a hardcore. not a hardcore album no. at all. But much like Death Heaven, what's their one link to extreme metal? The Damien. vocalist. And then what's fucked up's link to punk and hardcore? their vocalist and he just makes this record feel like a fucking punk rock record mm. if you took him out you wouldn't have that and that's really really important to me as a listener and as a fan of this music and as a and, and as as a kind of self-proclaimed like if people say to me like what do you most identify as as a sort of subculture mm. it's like it's hardcore and punk like that mm. is the one like, i love metal and i love sort of indie music and i love like, i love all kinds of music but I think the very, very, like, if I had to, if I was forced to with my hand behind my back, and I don't want to, so it's nice that no one's making me do that, but if I had to, <laughs> I'm gonna make it, it would be, <laughs> it would be punk rock. And I, to be super clear, I would not want to take Damien off of this record. I no. think that's way wrong. Um, what I was saying last week uh, is merely that uh, I think the the guests. Vocal, the guests are so extraordinary. Oh uh, yeah, but I think he's as good as them. Okay, cool. I think he's as good as them, and he brings something completely different. He's Definitely. not as good as he's Definitely. not as good as vocalist or as good a singer as when the you know you have that fucking absolutely you know that 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 beautiful you know like Ali, was it Alice Hansen is the girl's name on How to Die Happy like when she yes. when she oh, does that like oh it's yeah. so good and, and again like you know like I don't want to live in this world How to Die Happy Two Eyes Closed like that little thing is if you want to go let's just put on this kind of dream pop bit like there's that uh, if you want to go at the start and you want these kind of you know if you do want the raucous punk rock thing you can just go um, none of your business man raise your, joy, raise your yeah, voice Joyce like that kind of that opening like mechanical stick on mechanical ball it's fucking heavy it's so fucking heavy mm. it's nine inch nails at woodstock 94 playing shit from mm. the downward spiral heavy like it's almost like a tiny tiny teenage right yeah it is it's, it's like it's yeah. insane yeah. and there is like i mean i don't even know where to go with kind of starting to reappraise this record again because it's just become it's it's just soaked into my soul at this mm. point. I'm never going to stop listening to this record. This isn't just the best album of 2018. This is the best album of maybe the decades. Maybe the decades. Like, I and I, you know, I had the Black is Beautiful, which I thought was like that's the album of the decade. That's going to be the one. And then Forever came along and I was like, oh, it's going to take something pretty fucking mad. Like those two are right up against each other. Shit like The Satanist, Stage 4 by Touche Amour. There's been some, like All Our Gods by Architects, fucking um, uh, Rare by Oathbreaker. Yeah. I could go on. There's been some incredible, incredible records that have come out in this decade. I've had this two months and I'm like, I just don't know as an artistic statement as something where, like there's more going on in this than even on the black is beautiful which takes you yeah. in all kinds of directions all over the place yeah even this the, i'd like, say easily as well actually easily yeah, yeah, yeah and it yeah. really does there no one's made a record like this since 1980 since the fucking wall came out no one's made a record like this it it, it, it is the hardcore the wall isn't it yeah Basically, it's or like, Tommy, it's a, more, or more Tommy. It's more yeah. Tommy. To it's be a hardcore it, rock opera. It's a hardcore rock opera, and who fucking does that? And it sounds like when you say that out loud, you go, "God, it sounds like a 
bloody stupid thing to do. Fucked up. Sort of did it. Yeah. With David Comes to Life. This is better than David it Comes to better, Life. It is better, yeah. Having but, listened but, to, but yeah, I yeah, think yeah. David Comes to Life is really, really good. Yeah, it's very good. Um, because I've listened to that since mm. hearing this. Because mm. like I said, I went into this and I remember we had a really busy week and yeah, I had like yeah. a weekend and a, a day. So like three or four days to listen to it when it came out before we were recording. And I saw it was 82 minutes long mm. and I saw there were 16 tracks and I saw it was a fucking rock tracks. opera. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Why have I said that we do this? And it's turned out to be the best thing that has ever happened to me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. My album of the year... You all knew it was going to be fucked up. It, when we come to do the best albums of the decade, you all know it's going to be fucked up. We are like, going to fuck, do the best albums of the decade. I think we should well, do the best albums of the decade. Yeah, yeah. That's obviously a bit of a harder call, and we'll see. But at this point, yeah. you know, what is it? Three months down the it's line? three months. Three months down the line. I still listen to it eight times a week. Amazing. Okay, cool. All the way through. I think, so when we do that best albums of the decade, um, beginning of 2020, I imagine, um, there is a chance that it will be in there, but I think it will take that for me. Sorry, mm. but I think it will take that long to assimilate. You know, um, we talked about Nine Inch Nails earlier today, and uh, the Fragile is my favorite yeah. Nine Inch Nails record. But it took about five years for it to become my favorite Nine Inch Nails record. So you know, I think it's just a slow burn, and I think you have got there really quickly, <laughs> like super quickly. Yeah um maybe because of your love of the wall and I, I mean this is a thing this is almost like a perfect stephen hill record you love the wall and you love hardcore punk and someone has literally a band has literally taken those two elements and smooshed them together in a wonderful know, yeah. way and they have pulled it off they fucking nailed it as well yeah they have nailed it yeah a hundred percent but can you not understand why that's going to take a little bit longer for other people to assimilate yeah. No. Yeah. 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 No. 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 I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. I. I. This. It's thing is. It's so hard to go. Well, it's not for everyone. For me, it feels hard because I can listen to it and go, "Yeah, it's not for everyone." Like the vocals can be really harsh at points. Yeah. It's really, really long. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's, there's like you know. I mean, we haven't. We talked about hardcore and um shoegaze and punk rock yeah. and um and prog rock and the the war and stuff. We haven't even mentioned like. The Screamer De- Delicate era Primal yeah. Scream. Well, we haven't even mentioned the fucking Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack. The title music. track uh, "Dosey Dreams" is really mm. kind of Stone Rosesy. Yeah, you know? yeah, the kind of the the late the late eighties sort of British indie stuff. Like, yeah. it's fucking, uh, you know. Yeah, I'm sort of. I was going to say I'm bored of talking about it now. I'm not. You're not. <laughs> the, the, the fact <laughs> the fact that it is that all over the place and yet coherent mm. is an amazing achievement a phenomenal yeah. thing to pull off yeah i i don't i think you can sit there and you can say to me i didn't really get it it's not really my sort of thing i don't think but someone if, if someone turned around to me and said i listened to it and i just think it's not very well made or it's not very well put together at that point i would be like you're a fucking That's, idiot. Yeah. you're a fucking idiot yeah like, i don't think anyone's really said that though. no I one think, has said no, that like, yeah, i mean yeah. i've spoken to a couple of people who are like yeah you know it's all right and uh you know uh, it's good but those are people who haven't listened to it very much yeah maybe but imagine. then they might just not like that sort of stuff as much yeah, as i like it like, I, again i do understand mm-hmm. i do understand there will be people who are not willing or not interested in hardcore not interested in you know kind of massive long progressive mm. conceptual ideas for records who just want you know something different to that who just like different stuff to that and mm. i do understand that that is a thing but when you turn around and say this is this album is not <laughs> well realized that's when i push you off a that's cliff that's insane yeah i well i a thousand a thousand percent i hate it when people go over a hundred percent i a hundred percent agree with that yeah 100%. do you a hundred percent agree with it ten times 
Yes. <laughs> then I can say a thousand. Yes, yeah, so I use thousands. I do. So, yeah. yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's it, it, No, it would be. In, it would be. I mean, if a music journalist said that about this record, they should have their music journalist license revoked. Not that well, you know, like I saw the. Business. That was what annoyed me about the amount of people who were going like, it would be really good, but that guy just keeps shouting. And it's like, well, fuck off, then. I think broadsheet cunts. Fuck off. <laughs> Grab it. <laughs> I do think that's harsh. Yeah. Um, I think my, like I said, my Damien point was just that the guests are so good. You no, know, like Jay Massis comes in and yeah. like, mm-hmm. um, the women on this record, like every single time a woman comes in on this record, it just lifts it yeah. in a, a beautiful, amazing way. And final point, mm-hmm. this is a story that you can follow yeah. on a concept record. Yeah. And I, the, the Wall and Tommy are the only two other ones where I go, yeah, I get it. I can listen to this like a film and I can listen to this like a film. Is it Laos in the commentorium? No. No, obviously not. Obviously not. It's mental. Clearly not. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> Predictably, obviously, but you know, like there's no point in me trying to fucking pretend like you all knew it was going to happen and it happened. <laughs> Fucked up. Dosey Dreams, the best album of 2018. Um, uh, well, here's an album that people might be surprised by. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't Who know knows? what it's going to be. So, so I'm you excited. have no idea? No. Okay. Interesting. Um, I think... I think my top three albums are all perfect, hmm. but uh, I'm slightly redefining the meaning of the word perfect and say this is my most perfect album of the yeah. year. Um, it's Nearer My God by Foxing. Oh, oh, wow. So in my opinion, there isn't a single second wasted on this album. Um, it's an album that reveals itself to you slowly and it gets better with every single listen. I think... If you had, um, Foxing are always a band who I've liked and admired. I think if you told me that the third Foxing record was going to be in my top 20, I probably would have been like, probably not, but all right. You know, the fact that it's number one, I just think says so much about the strength of this album. Um, When I first heard it, I was really stunned at the progress that this band had made. Um, but I'm still discovering things about this album now after six months of listening to it. I'm still discovering little bits and pieces um, that just come up like every every day when I listen to this album. There's like, oh, that's a bit that I have not heard before, you know, and yeah. those are always the best albums for me. Um, I didn't realise, like, <laughs> this is something I found out the other day. I didn't realise that the title actually refers to uh, the hymn, which was uh, being played when the Titanic sank oh, and stuff know. like that but the reason why it's called that is because it's a metaphor that alludes to impending disaster mm. and that's basically what this record is about it's a mm. metaphor for impending disaster um it's also an album that almost wasn't made so foxing underwent a series of really unfortunate events whilst touring dealer they had thirty thousand dollars worth of equipment stolen uh, from them in Austin, their van was written off whilst parked at the side of the road when a truck crashed into it about 40 or 50 miles an hour. Thankfully, none of them were in it, but uh, their vocalist got his nose broken um, by an audience member in Chicago who also reportedly fought security and several people in the audience. You know, they had so much bad luck on this tour and it feels like Nearer My God is a record made up of all of those experiences and can only be made by an album who have gone, this is it. We either do, it's make or break. We either do something beyond what we've done before, or we split up. 
Yeah. And I think that that's the, I think that's where um, Foxing were when they began to make this record. Um, the Drowned in Sound review made a really good point. It said that this album continues in the great tradition of third LPs that truly define the musicians who made them, like OK Computer, Source Tags and Codes, and Relationship of Command. Mm. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Whilst being broadly characterised as emo for the majority of their career, this album is genreless. I couldn't tell you what genre this album is. It's... it's it's utterly distinct from anything else that I've ever heard. Putting them into a genre box on this record. I mean, the closest I can get to is like, it's a mix of emo, math rock, post-hardcore and indie. But even that only goes halfway towards explaining what it really is. It's just scraping the surface, really. Um, It's a ridiculously diverse and quite bewildering album as well. Um. I don't, you know, if you take a song like Game Shark, I have no idea what that is as a genre. As someone who's been sitting down and studying and listening to music for 20 odd years or however long, I don't know what you could call it, really. Um, Five Cups, which is the album's like nine minute centerpiece. Like, what is that song? I just have no idea. It's kind of got, it's really ambient, but at the same time, it's shot through with an air of menace and it has this self destructed refrain of i want to drive with my eyes closed um there's just so much going on on the album and again i Mm. think this is a record that does require several listens the first time i heard it like i said i was impressed because i knew i heard that it was a big step up but it really is after listening to it again and again and again the way that you said that near uh Dose Your Dreams has seeped into your soul. Mm. This album has seeped into my soul Mm. and my skin and everything about it, I just think is absolute genius. I think the lyrics are phenomenal. Stuff like now I'm on the floor with a halo, a headache from bad coke. I've been thinking of new ways to fuck with old friends. Uh, I spent so long at the gates, heaven won't take me in. And I threw up so many times on the way. It's just beautiful and self-destructive and looking back at your pointing a finger at yourself and going i was a i'm a terrible fuck up and what can i do about i suppose that's where the sort of emo content of it comes but it's not an emo record really at all even if they have existed in that world for a, a long time or whatever there's so much this record there's there's trumpets there's strings there's choirs there's like there's a lot going on and mm. It's just an album that stayed with me the entire year. I think um, in terms of its expansiveness and its breadth and its epicness, obviously it's not a double record in the way that Dose Your Dreams is, but I do think that they're both, I think we've both chosen very expansive, broad canvas albums for our number one. Definitely. Which is great because I think that sums up the ethos of Riot Act very well in a way. But... um, yeah, I, I think I think I was surprised for quite a long time, and just in the last couple of months, it just I just realised I went. This record has become a part of me now, and it just had to be my number one. Yeah, it, it, I've not gone back to. It, I've got to be honest, because mm, mm. I was I I liked lots of it. I really liked lots of it, and there was stuff that I just didn't quite get on board with, mm. and the stuff that I didn't quite get on board with has been enough to make me not really go back into it again 
Yeah. And I feel like maybe I should. Because I felt like it, it, some of it sounded so clean. Yeah. That I almost went, ah, oh, I don't know about this. I have to admit. And that, that actually, sorry to before on. you go on. And that actually is why, so if we're making comparisons, Damien on the Fucked Up album dirtied it up so much. Mm. I wonder if it was clean like that all the way through. I mean, they are very, very different records, but mm. the dirtiness, like, I, I need a bit more fucking dirt, like, all, and I felt like I didn't always, uh, the clean bits were so clean on Foxing that I was almost like, oh, I'm not really sure. I, 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 I mean, you know, Fucked Up belonged to a different world. You of know, course, Foxing yeah. have never been a hardcore band. Um, I think uh, there are really dirty elements. Um, there's when the first song when it when it kicks in um uh the it's a line about being shock shock collared at the gates of heaven you know when that come when that kicks in that is quite heavy and deep and there's there's lots mm. of there's lots of things you know there are loads of like moments where connor is just screaming in the background and stuff like that yeah and yeah you yeah, might yeah, not even yeah. pick up on it you know on the, on the first few listens but it's a very dark record I mean, it is, um, it is a record made from despair, and um, you can tell it's been made. Uh, this is what I mean by the whole make and break stuff. I mean, I think, I, th I think, I think it doesn't go to those areas because they never were a band that did. Mm. But there are also areas that it goes to that the. the that the fucked up record doesn't go to. Yeah. So I think broadly there is, they're almost as broad as one another. I, <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, you know, fucked up is a good half an hour longer. So obviously fucked up probably is a bit broader, but it does have an, an extra half an hour to play with. So, you know, um, but I don't know. It just, just a lot of the things that you're saying about the fucked up record, I could say about the Foxing record, especially that whole seeping into you and yeah, becoming a part yeah, of yeah. you. I should go back to it. For sure. I would really, I'd love you to, because we, even when we disagree on things and we disagree quite a bit, um, although we have exactly the same taste in music, um, yeah. <laughs> I usually go, well, I disagree with that, but I see where you're coming from. Mm. And the, the, the new, if I'm totally, totally honest with you, the Foxing Near My God review is one of the only times since we've been doing this that I've gone, I just don't understand that criticism. You know, mm -hmm. you were talking like earlier in the year about it, them sort of going for a poppiness and stuff like that. Maybe not just, going for it, but just having it. Mm, I, mm, I, I still don't. The modern recording techniques and stuff like that. Yeah. I just don't see it. I'd love to sit down... I'd love you to point those bits out to me because one day... To be honest, having not listened to the record for four months or five months, yeah, I yeah, can't yeah, 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 yeah. point to any specific piece like at the moment. But yeah, I, yeah, I'll, yeah I'll listen yeah. back to it. Yeah, I yeah. did go to listen back to it at one point and I sort of straight away went, oh, I just can't be bothered. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I should do. But anyway, if you're number one, you're allowed to number, number one. one. I'm not going to slag it off. Room. I'm not going to be like you. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> and <laughs> Uh, so anyway, that's Near My God by Foxing. You're number one. Yeah. Should we do a recap of... No, fuck it. I can't be bothered. It, like, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. Congratulations to Foxing and congratulations to Fucked Up for being the 
Riot Act albums of the year. Yeah, there'll be for recaps. There'll be Spotify playlists. Yeah, which, I'm not uh, reading now. Oh I just want to, <laughs> that box of chocolates is looking at me. Has been looking at me for like fucking, fucking two hours now. So eaten. I need to have one of that. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back after Christmas. You have a nice Christmas. Thanks. And uh, do you want to say what we're doing next week? Because I think we can. Nah, don't. All right. Yeah, I don't. I want to save it. We're doing something fucking cool next week. Yeah, fucking cool. Yeah, really, yeah. really cool. We're excited about it. So it should be a right fucking laugh. Apart from the fact that it's going to require a lot of work on our Yeah, part. but they say uh, <laughs> just, just going to fucking drop it. and It's going to be amazing. Shout out to our friends at Musicism who have actually helped us to do this brilliant yeah, thing that massively. we're doing. So, you know, they have come in handy again. Uh, go to <laughs> musicism.net and get 25% off all of your uh, your courses. Horses for courses, if you're a horse. Uh, or if you're just a listener uh, Riot in capital letters in the checkout <laughs> what were you going to say no go on go okay on. cool go on. Um, but we'll be back next week with something wicked um, but yeah there you go hope you enjoyed that see you later Rimfrey Merry Christmas Merry Day. Christmas bye bye Merry Christmas everyone <laughs>